details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my Helm of Disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's the commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Finally, a guy in broadcasting that represents the very average side of us all. The following broadcast is in the hands of a college-educated, barely-employed guy that does a podcast for an audience of fewer people than Paris Hilton has brain cells. It's hard to imagine that he's perpetually single. Now, from the middle of desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. It is Friday. All right, welcome in. Yes, another edition of Michael Groff in Exile is underway. It is Friday, August the 13th. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Wait a second. It's Friday the 13th. Who cares? Anyway, Friday the 13th of August, 2010. And we're here. Contact information for the show, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. The PayPal address also. That's the same thing. Mike at KMGX.com for your most generous contributions to this program. We always do encourage that. Please, you know, send money. Um, how can I encourage this? I, I, I need the lights to stay on. I need to eat. I need the basics. Really, the show just needs to stay on the air. You know what it was like without this show for a month? Well, imagine what it would be like without this show forever. The internet would die a little inside. Or something. All right, so Michael Graff show. That, that's, that's what we like to call the hard sell in the business. Um... AOL Instant Messenger, our screen name, Michael Grove Show. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show, AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet IRC, the channel, Net Radio. You can always join us on our chat channel. And naturally, you can do all of that that I just mentioned by going to the one, the only, MichaelGrove.com. It's not really much of a website. Matter of fact, it pretty well sucks. But it's better than nothing. And that's what I say about this show. The critics agree. Matter of fact, that's what one guy wrote about this show once. He said, listen... I mean, the show ain't really for crap, but it's better than nothing. So, that was, that was pretty much the exact wording. All right, so that's all the contact information and assorted nonsense. And you know, since it's Friday, 
joining us on the program tonight. The one, the only, uh, James, everybody. Hi. Yo, what up, dog? What up, dog? <laughs> what are you, Dr. Laura now? You getting, Yo, all, you getting all street? I'm getting all snoop dog. Yo, man. Yo, man. I'm co-hosting the cracker-ass dog. Yeah. Bro, man. yeah, man. Cracker-ass, cracker-ass. Here, be. Gonna have some fried chicken and some magic yeah. fresh Yeah! Holla at you, boy! All right. I'm gonna have some fried chicken, man. <laughs> Jesus. Some fresh soda. Okay. Maybe some watermelons. That's James, everybody. That let just just so you know, yeah, it's his voice, and then there's my <laughs> voice. But we're we're saying two different things here. That's just saying, just saying. <laughs> All right. So um, he's here. Uh, how's it been going? It's been it's been a few weeks since you've been on the show. So any any exciting new development? You got anything big happening? Uh, what's what's doing? Uh. Exciting news from me. Uh, that's trying to get water from a stone, Mike. Ain't happening. Water from a stone, blood from a turnip, blood from a stone, whatever. Whatever. Water from a from a cantaloupe, some something. I don't know. All right. Well, that's good. So, uh, so really, there's been nothing new in your life. Um, anything? Well, uh, I actually managed to solve a Rubik's cube without a clue today. You solved the Rubik's cube. Hmm. Twice, actually. Hmm. Okay, so we're going to go back with your original answer of nothing. All right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. <laughs> well, I mean, look, it's the Rubik's Cube. You know, I, I always solved it, but, you know, I just solved it by taking it apart. They say, you know, you could be able to solve it in 20 moves, any, you know, 20 moves or less. I just broke it apart and then put it back together. That was one move. Actually, it was two moves. The first move was breaking it apart. The second move was putting it back together. That's how I solved the Rubik's Cube. Well, actually, it would take multiple moves, you know, putting one piece in at a time. That's not really a, That's not really multiple moves, at least not for me. Yes, it is. It's just if you move, you know, two pieces, that's two moves. Unless, mm. you know, you do that night rook to E5. You know, you know, exactly, yeah, like, which is what I do. And since I was, since I was uh, you know... Like third board in the chess club, I you know. Oh yeah, you were you were uh, I was, vice president. I was up there. Yeah, I was tw- I was a level twenty seven mage in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Actually, truthfully, I was never just just so we know. I mean, just so you people know, I, I was a geek, but I was not in the chess club. Uh, the 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 only geek things that I've never really done are truly nerd things that I've never done. I've never. Um, I've never been in chess club. I never played Magic the Gathering, um, though I did watch it a few times. Um, I never owned any Magic the Gathering cards. And um, let's see, I um, I never threw up on a woman on a date. Well, that's good to know. And I never owned an inflatable woman. Yeah, that's... Uh... You can put that on, like, your date card, Mike. Exactly. I never threw up on a woman, and I never bought an inflatable woman. That's right. And I'm not yet on a first-name basis with anybody at the adult bookstore. Oh, no ho-ho. 
All right. No, but uh, seriously, folks, there's there's a lot to do on the show tonight. Uh, a lot of stuff. Busy show, as you know. A lot of a lot of things still on the desk. A lot of things on the plate that we're gonna get to. Uh, James is gonna have. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna geek out here a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of the geek segment. Uh, and of course, we're gonna have the pop chart coming up. But before we do any of that, well, you know, you know how we do. Uh, we have a, there's a, there's just so much news and information that flies around all over the place every day. There's what Fox News is telling you is news. There's what all the other gatekeepers, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, all these other folks, what they tell you is news. But all that matters. Nine, you, nine, nine. Yeah, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is what I consider news. People are idiots. Everyone has their own definition of what's newsworthy. The feeling most people get when they hear a Barack Obama speech, my, I felt this thrill going up my leg. I mean, well, I don't have that too often. I guess some people shouldn't be gatekeepers of the news. <laughs> but lucky for you, the decisions are now in the capable hands of this guy. Wow! It's time now for Michael Groff's seven most salient, salacious, and stimulating storylines of the day. Uh, yeah, you know, it's hard to believe that we can narrow it down to just seven things, but we have to. These are just some of the biggest things. Lucky, lucky seven. Yeah, the, the lucky seven that's out there, which is, interestingly enough, that's what I was going to call that segment initially was the luck. But then I just thought that sounded dumb. Number seven. All right, California. California is set to allow... The, I can't believe this, but... Where else but California would this happen? Yeah. Uh, they have a they have a proposed they have a proposition coming up, a potential proposition coming up to allow you to smoke marijuana at the workplace. How could that go wrong? What could possibly be wrong with that? Now listen. If you've listened to this show for any length of time at all, you know I have no problem with marijuana. Uh, as of the recording of this podcast, I've never smoked it. I want to make that distinction very clear. Um, but I have I have no fundamental problem with marijuana whatsoever. The fact that it's illegal in most places is silly. The fact that we have to do ridiculous things like medical marijuana. I mean, that that's ridiculous as well. But... If we're talking about allowing people to smoke marijuana at the workplace, that can only be bad. So if you go for a smoke break, instead of just going out for a cigarette, you could go light up a joint. Yeah, that's what I want. I want my neurosurgeon to go out and light up for a smoke break so he can go smoke some tree before he uh, gets to work on my brain. Right before the brain biopsy. That's great. That's, that's really what I want. Number six. But if you're in California, you're already brain impaired. So why do you need <laughs> well, to worry the, about that? There is that. Uh, Russia is, we talked about this the other day, Russia, they've been battling this intense heat wave. Temperatures in Moscow went over 100 degrees. Well, now the other problem is across Russia, there's over 500 wildfires burning. Russia is on fire. And one of the wildfires is posing a threat to a nuclear power plant. In Soviet Russia, nuclear plant burn you. So uh, that's... That's a, a very bad situation. Of course, <clears throat> global warming is to blame for that. Number five. Dr. Laura Schlesinger in the news. Now, a longtime listeners to this show know I've talked about Dr. Laura before. And generally speaking, I don't have very many complimentary things to say about her. 
This time she opened her mouth and actually... This is a controversy, but I don't see it as a controversy. She was making a point. Uh, the problem that we have here is she tried to discuss a very sensitive issue about race with a black caller, and it did not work out well. Uh, she is she has been blasted by by the blogosphere, by all the major news outlets, by conservatives, by liberals, by everybody. I have a surprising stance on the latest in the Dr. Laura saga. And it's if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know I'm no fan. Surprising stance. More on that coming up. Number four. Oh, my God. I, I, I'm remiss in my duties, folks. I, I, I feel bad. I almost feel like I should just retire. I have, let you, I have let you down. I have let you Mike. down, folks. But, but Mike, how yeah. could you let us down? I mean, you are just a god of radio. Well, I've let you down because I forgot to inform you that on Wednesday, and, and you know, this is a, it was an easy thing to miss with all the explosions going on and everything. Rama Bomb started on Wednesday. The holiest of holy months on the Islamic calendar started on Wednesday. Ramabam got started, and uh, we will, of course, have to get you the terror numbers on that. But in honor of Ramabam, the president, our own president of the United States, who is not Muslim, so he says, um, is throwing a Ramabam dinner. He's having a big old Ramalama ding dong dinner at the White House. But he's not Muslim. So we're clear. Hey, people celebrate Christmas when they aren't Christian. Well, that's just to get the presents. I I totally get that. <laughs> I mean, you know, listen. Yes, and the month but, of but what, we give you Obama. Yeah, it's like, so what? Does does Barack Obama want to celebrate Ramadan so we can go blow somebody up? Hmm, there's a theory. Number three. 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 Um, Maxine Waters is in a lot of trouble. Now, we've talked about this story for a while. She's the embattled California congresswoman. She has, uh, She's facing, among other things, many ethics violations. But she has an interesting defense for her actions. Well, and this is a common defense. Why not? Just go ahead and blame Bush. That's what everybody else does. It was 110 in Phoenix today. Damn that Bush administration. <laughs> I'm, this this is it's unbelievable. You can do. I don't the, have a girlfriend. Damn that, Bush. Yeah, I haven't been laid in four hundred three days. Not that I'm counting. Four hundred three days. Friggin' Bush. No pun intended. Number two, two. The city of San Francisco. Hello, Frisco. They're set to ban Happy Meals. What? They want to ban Happy Meals in San Francisco. I no, no, no. You don't have to insert a glory hole joke here or anything like that. Seriously. Oh, oh, oh. They want to get rid of McDonald's Happy Meals in San Francisco because, of course, this is just another one of the nanny cities across the country um, that wants to... They, they're they like... It's just like New York and their ban on trans fats and their 
restrictions on sodium, and they're trying to get involved in the restaurant business. Now, the city of San Francisco, they just want to get rid of the Happy Meal altogether because, of course, it is corrupting the children. It's it's corrupting the youths of this country. I haven't eaten at McDonald's in about four years, and the last time I did four years ago, I threw up on the highway. So... Well, I just want to say, I actually, I actually approve of you know. I find I find McDonald's, generally speaking, to be pretty tasty. So, you know, I, I don't want to disparage them. Besides, maybe one day I could get them as advertisers here. Have you ever thought of that? You ever thought about me? Yeah. Right, here's my number one. <laughs> number one. Steven Slater. He is the. Steven Slater is the guy. He is the flight attendant that went nuts on the JetBlue flight the other day. Oh, yeah. He has now become the folk hero of this country, I guess. I guess you can just act like a maniac and you're a hero in the eyes of the people. I haven't uh, heard the uh, audio I, on that or anything. I, is, I, is there like a video clip? Um, I, There is a video of him going down the slide, I think. But anyway, now he says he wants his job back. What? <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, that's just some of the stuff that's on my radar. Who needs billion-dollar cable news when you've got Michael Graff? What a nut. The world has completely gone mad. I mean, it really has. There's, there's, is there any doubt about it now? I mean, seriously. Oh, man. Yeah, that's just... Fuck you. Yeah, he sounds like Eric Cartman. Screw you guys. I'm going home. That's, that's, I know, that's what he did. Can I come back? Guys, seriously. Maybe this would teach you to listen to a Oh! Yeah, he... He he just says... Again, for those of you that don't know the story, this Steven Slater. We talked about this a couple times this week. This Steven Slater, he's a flight attendant. He was on JetBlue. This, and the story, I guess it was a female passenger, and she was fumbling around with the overhead compartment while they were getting ready to taxi out to the runway. I don't think they had actually started the process yet, but they were, they were getting ready to. And, and he's like, he's like, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I, I, he's, he seems like a, a very, a very heterosexual man. I just want to say, and he goes, all right, you need to sit down, sit, just sit right there. There you go. Sit down, sit down. And she wouldn't. And well, she's fumbling with the ma'am, ma'am, don't, uh, don't make me just, uh, don't make me take off this belt. Anyway, uh, well, she's, well, she's trying to get her overhead uh, bag down. She hits him in the head with it accidentally. <laughs> then he loses it. I'm just going to lose my mind. So he goes nuts and he gets on the, um, he gets on the, uh, the, the PA system of the plane. And he's just like, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this this is uh, Stephen Slater, your uh, head flight attendant speaking. You can all just suck my balls. I am so out of here. I am so, I am ghost. I am gone. Uh, <clears throat> How would you like to suck my balls, Garrison? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's done more like Eric Carmen every second. Yeah. Yeah, no, that. How would you like to suck my balls? <laughs> Like, I am so out of here. So then he, he grabs a beer, he inflates the slide, and he is gone. He inflates the emergency slide, and he's gone. He goes to the park. He just walks casually to the park. <laughs> goes, 
<laughs> goes to the parking lot. Oh yeah, I bet. I bet he's whistling. If I was in, uh, I left my heart in San Francisco. I want that. Yeah. So yeah. So he he got the hell out of there, and that was it. And then he got fired. <laughs> Well, and now he says, now he says he wants his job back. In fact, let me see. I think we actually have some of the. They they were asking his lawyer. This is this is really weird. So this guy, if you see this guy, this Steven Slater. Now people say he's the nicest guy. He's this he's this kind of fat guy who's just a you know your average uh, flight attendant. Um, <clears throat> and yeah. he doesn't look like he's a nutball. He doesn't look like the kind of guy that would just snap like that. But he did. He snapped. And apparently he's a folk hero now in this country because people like the idea of somebody just sticking it to the man. In this case, sticking it to the jackass customers that are on planes. You know, and, and I will admit, and, and as somebody that's about to fly uh, somewhere, I, I, I will tell you that I do get a little... I get annoyed at the other passengers. I really do. And generally speaking, I'm, I, unless I'm on like a continental flight or... Um, or Delta, you know, the, the flight attendants are, generally speaking, they're very nice. Um, sometimes they don't really give a crap if you live or die. But most of the time, they're very nice people. And the passengers are generally jackasses. But that doesn't excuse this kind of behavior. And people, people really, they, they gathered around this guy. They were really excited about this guy. They were happy about this guy because, oh, he's a hero, man. He's a hero because oh, man. he did he's he did what hero. I wanted to do. He 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 stuck it to the man. He did what I didn't have the balls, no pun intended, to do. Yeah. Well, the problem is that now he's without a job. You can't have somebody like that working for you. What if he had lost his cool in, in mid-flight? All right, I'm just gonna open this emergency door, <laughs> uh. suck you all out. <laughs> Screw all of you. <laughs> um, I wanted just to go to the... I just wanted to go to New York so we could all watch Rent together. An high okay, school no, musical. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so this guy... So I, I, we have the... I think I have the clip of it. Let me see if I can... Uh, hold on, let's see. If, I, I think we have the, uh, the Q&A with his lawyer. Let me see. Um, yeah, here it is. Here it is. The questions might be a little hard to hear. I, I'll try and uh, make this audio as uh, clear as possible. Here we go. This, uh, well, it's not going to work. Hold on a minute. I have to... I, I, this is my bad for not uh, pre Actually, doing, yeah. doing the prereq. Hold on. Oh, I, I, got, I got it. I got it. For flight attendants to get on a plane every day and feel and could be concerned for the safety of each and every passenger without attention, without a stress... You're fooling yourselves. There is a tension and stress. There's a reality that whenever we travel, whether we're in a car, a plane, or a train, there's a safety factor. But think about the plane, the dramatic impact that has embedded all these flight people, whether the pilots, whether their flight attendants, has an impact on their lives. And this I is the hope lawyer. That the traveling public appreciates the efforts of all those people keeping so us what safe it, what, in the air. The lawyer. With all that's happened, why does he still want to be a flight attendant? That's his life. As you know, his father was a pilot. His mother was a flight attendant. Okay, the lawyer here is trying to justify his actions. Like, well, you know, there's a lot of stress on a plane. There's a lot of stress on a plane. Uh, the, you know, these guys, they go out there and they, they work very hard. Yeah, well, a lot of people work very hard. And 99.9999% of people in the workplace don't snap like this. 
Again, what uh, would have happened if uh, if Dude Zor here would have gotten a little extra, a little light in the loafers? Well, light on the loafers. You know what would have, what would have happened if he would have just totally lost it uh, in in mid flight? Yeah, that wouldn't have been very funny. Uh, a friend of mine that's actually. Uh, that's what he loves doing. Is it the people? Does he like the people? He does. And anybody who knows him knows. He likes the people, except for, you know, the, the. he actually, there's a quote where he says that he is. <laughs> See, this is where the, the lawyer is. This is where it's all wet. The guy says that his biggest uh, pet peeve is carry on luggage. Okay. Uh... If, if you actually have a pet peeve that's carry on luggage. You're in the wrong business if you're a flight attendant. That'd be like me saying, you know, my biggest uh, pet peeve is having to drive people around. Well, what's your job? I'm a taxi cab driver. I hate driving. What are you? I'm an over-the-road trucker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this guy, this lawyer, this lawyer something else. Okay, here's a little bit more. That he's a likable man. And I know some of you know his smile. And some of you know his grin. That's how, that's for the most part somebody who likes all of you, likes people. Howard, when I hear you talk, it sounds like what you're saying is that his actions were justified. If, am I fair to say that's accurate? No, you're not fair to say that. I'm, what's fair to say is that I'm explaining a situation. Justification is a definition by law, and we're not going to go into that. Yeah, in other Did words. you want to thank everybody? Just say one thing. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. It's been... Amazing, the support and the love and the, the everything that's been brought to me and given to me by my community and my friends and the <laughs> industry at large. It's been absolutely wonderful. What have you I, learned? I do thank it's you. It's been absolutely wonderful. So in other words, the lawyer didn't want to say that, uh, it didn't try want to make a justification because, of course, if you try to justify something, then you get into a legal area that you don't want to be getting into. You don't want to be getting into that. No. Yeah. That'd be bad. A friend of mine actually uh, told me this story. I, uh, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but he had this flight attendant. He was like Rudy Tootie, French and Fruity, right? He's like, uh, uh, now the pilot's going to take off the big, scary plane. And um, he said as they were landing, um, he was in first class, right? As they were landing, um, he told everybody trays up. And this, uh, there was this one girl who refused to uh, put up her tray. And, he, and he's like, please put up your tray, miss. And she's like, in my country, I'm regarded as a princess. I don't take orders from you. And so the gay guy goes, and he says, exactly like this, well, in my country, I'm regarded as a queen. Higher status, bitch. Trade up. I just found that really fucking well, that's, funny. That's good. <laughs> it's good stuff. So, uh... <laughs> I'm regarded it. I, 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 every time I try to picture that, I just burst out laughing. I'm Hello. At, I'm regarded, In my country, I'm regarded as the queen. The trades up, bitch. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's perfect. I've, I've been trying to get. Oh, I'm nasty. <laughs> All right. So there's that story. The guy is a folk hero. The guy, a lot of people really like him. Uh, he's got a bunch of people on his Facebook now, and um, he's <laughs> the most popular person on the planet, apparently. All right. Except Jesus. Oh, well, except for Jesus. But other than that, he's he's pretty much he's he's top of uh, top of mind right now. I'm sure he's right now. I'm sure the Google Trends. I'm sure he's higher up than Jesus. 
Oh, no. Well, probably. You know, listen, you know, he's, he's mm. big news right now, Steven Slater. But he wants his job back, and he, he really likes the people, and he really likes working. Unless, of course, you know, you have carry-on carry carry on luggage. Then he freaking hates your guts, and he hopes you get... He hopes you get the uh, the 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 herpes or something, and and you die a very painful death. All right. Anyway, um, maybe I should take a break. Well, get into some uh, some other stuff. Well, hmm. doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, might as well. Might we as well. All night. Yeah, might as well just uh, take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We we'll get into some uh, some other stuff, some news. Got some uh, nerd stuff naturally um, that we want to. Get to leap hack for skills or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, listen, we, there's there's plenty of stuff that James has, and um, is this not, what else? What else you got? Uh, let's see. I have the article about the uh, manga that was actually banned in uh, Albuquerque, and uh, some bookstore they're going bankrupt. And as always, I have my top ten segment. Oh yes, of course, the top ten most expensive somethings. What is mm -hmm. it? Tonight? Watches. Top 10 most expensive watches. That's, mm. um... I have a watch on my wrist right now. 700 tickets at Fun Spot. <laughs> I have a watch sitting here that the band uh, partially broke on, but it's, uh... It was like 40 bucks at Target. And I'm kind of pissed off that the band broke on it. Yeah. I mean, I can replace the band for like 5 bucks, but I'm just too lazy. I don't want... Dude, it's 110. I don't want to walk over to Target. Or, or some store to have the band fix. Lazy. Hello! You're feeling sick because you've had too much. Alright, we'll be back. It's Michael Groff in exile on a friggin' Friday. More coming up. It's where we'll fall apart. We'll get For going to Vegas. Of a friendly car. I got my singing voice out today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Back with segment number two. It's Michael Graff in exile on a Friday. It is Friday the 13th. 
Friday the 13th. We should have done scary music. Hold on a minute. Where's, where's the music? We have to play a song that is just so frightening, so incredibly awful, that it could only be played on Friday the 13th. I think we should probably uh, do that. Here. Here's a song so frightening. <laughs> I know. You think I'm going to play like the, uh, the, the Michael Myers music or something, right? Or we should play the... Uh, no, no, no. Here we go. That's that's pretty uh that's pretty frightening. Especially the thought of Lady Gaga. Yeah. No, but it I, is I, it's I'm about to give you guys brain damage. Lady Gaga naked. All right, so it's for, anyway, Friday the 13th. Thank you so much for checking us out. Michael Groff in exile. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. See, now I, I, need, I need music. <laughs> That's the problem. See, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I, we'll do it live. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, Mike at KMGX.com. Uh, Michael Groff show, AOL Instant Messenger here. There you go. And don't play that, please. That reminds me of somebody. Um, AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Grav Show, the screen name, and of course, michaelgrav.com for all of your various Michael Grav needs. All right, so uh, they are battling wildfires across Russia. That's uh, big news going on. Of course, they've had a big heat wave. The global warming freaks have been all, you know, uh, they've been freaked out because, of course, uh, my God, it's the warmest temperatures experienced across Russia in well at least 80 years and they even figure since sensible temperature records have been kept so for like you know 120 years it's like the hottest it's been in 120 years which means we're all gonna die because as we know if we haven't seen temperatures this high in 120 years it means that they've never happened before and they're only happening now and it has to be because of man and it has to be because of CO2 emissions and it has to be because man is destroying the planet or you know it could have something to do with cyclical climate or something you know one of these just obscure crazy ideas I could pretty much take that metaphor and use it for almost anything else I mean yeah. it's not a metaphor but you know what I'm saying yeah. No, that's, that makes sense. All right, anyway, um, so now the U.S. is even helping Russia fight nearly 500 wildfires that have broken out across the nation. And um, one of the blazes has uh, been sparked. Um, let's see. Yeah, they say that um, there's one, the, the death, first of all, the heat wave has just been bad anyway. The death rate in Moscow, they're saying that people in Moscow, 700 people every day are dying from this heat. I thought the people on the East Coast of the U.S. were wuss bags, like, you know, <laughs> in like New York and, and Pennsylvania and, and, you know, all over the place. It's like, it's 90 degrees, it's hot. Oh, Watch your mouth, young God, man. It's so hot, it's 90. And they all die. You know, 5 a.m. in Phoenix in any given July morning or August morning, it's 90 degrees. We don't die like, we don't drop like flies. In Moscow, 700 people a day are dying. Wow, that's uh, pretty bad. 
Now, um, one of the fires is threatening a nuclear power plant. Uh, Russia admitted yesterday that fires closing in on its main nuclear center facility in Goldeneye represent, represent a, a certain date that wasn't nuclear represent a certain danger to the secret town which uh, house its most sophisticated research facilities. Uh, a huge round-the-clock operation is underway to prevent a vast blaze on a nearby nature reserve uh, near Sarov, uh, which is so sensitive that it is uh, closed to all foreigners. Uh, so, in other words, it's nearing their secret place. Well, I guess it's not so secret anymore. Mm. Yes, uh, please stop uh, fire from reaching secret nuclear power plant that you don't know about in the United States. But, uh, you know, just keep it under your head, you know. Yeah, it's like in Iran. After you're we done fighting have- fire, we kill you. You know, it's actually so bad. Even Vladimir Putin himself, Putin Putin himself, is actually up in, in these planes fighting these fires. And I'm not making this up. Vladimir Putin's up there putting out these, these fires. There's a picture of him out there. That's awesome, actually. Can you imagine President Obama fighting wildfires somewhere in the U.S.? No, no. I imagine him, like, over the Gulf Coast actually doing something. That would be awesome. Well, let's not get yeah. nuts. Hold on now. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah, and and this this is just, I just thought this was kind of funny. I don't know if any of you heard about this, but there's a guy in, in um, Sweden. He was, he could face, now, I don't know how many of you have ever gotten speeding tickets. I don't drive, so, and James here is too young to drive, but most of you, uh, if you've ever uh, been out there, you've been driving a car, I'm sure at some point you've probably gotten a speeding ticket, maybe you're going 10 miles, 12, 15, 20 miles over the limit, and you got a speeding ticket. One of my friends, um, he was doing felony speed, but they didn't actually officially clock him, they just knew that he was going too fast, so they just gave him a regular ticket. But they, they hey. had they had a radar gun, they, they would have given him felony speed, he was going like... 110. <laughs> well, a motorist in Sweden may very well have set the land speed record. And uh, quite frankly, actually, he was a Swedish, Swedish motorist, but he was caught in Switzerland. He could be given a world record speeding ticket of... <laughs> oh, this will be fun. Of $1 million. American? Yeah, one million dollars, six hundred fifty-six thousand euro. Ah, oh, Jesus! The thirty-seven-year-old was guess. Okay, check this out. He was going two hundred ninety kilometers per hour, or as uh, as our friend Rick Sanchez at CNN would say in English, that means a hundred eighty miles per hour. <laughs> Wow, was he driving a damn Lamborghini or something? The 37-year-old who has not been named was clocked driving the Mercedes sports car at 170 ah. miles an hour, at 170 kilometers an hour over the limit. Under Swiss law, the level of uh, fine is determined by the wealth of the driver at the speed recorded. So, like, they actually look oh, into wait, your I got finance. Joke for this. Uh, I got the perfect CSI joke. I guess he knows how Mercedes bends. Yeah! Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, I think, I think I'm going to retire. 
<laughs> All right. Um, no, but in, it, I get so it, over there. It's like, well, if you're a rich person, you pay more. If you're poor, you pay less, I guess. So if you're poor, go ahead and speed. <laughs> in January, a Swiss driver was fined $290,000, which was the current world record. Local police spokesman uh, Benoit Dumas said that the latest case has, quote, nothing can justify a speed of 290 kilometers per hour. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Maybe he wanted to get home and, and watch uh, Swedish Idol or whatever the hell kind of craft they have on over there. Hell's Kitchen with the Swedish chef. I actually have a uh, friend on Facebook <laughs> who lives in Sweden. Uh, quote, it's not controllable. Uh, it it must it must have taken 500 meters to stop. The Swedes' car, a Mercedes SLS AMG, has been impounded, and in uh, in principle, he could be forced to pay a daily fine of 3,600 Swedish something or others. Yeah. Swedish bucks or Swiss <laughs> bucks, actually. Monopoly money. Yeah, which is basically yeah. like. You know, if it's not the euro, basically it's just a dollar sign written on paper, and that's all it's worth. But how about that? A million dollar fine for speeding. That's uh, that's something to write home about. And as if it doesn't, as if that's not stupid enough, then we have more stupid news for you. How about this? Uh, we haven't. Well, I mean, it's been a while since we've had a Cheryl Crow toilet paper story. You might remember uh, a few years ago, Cheryl Crow said that um, you know to to help save the planet. Um, what what people should do is um, they should um, they should they should just use no they should just use one square of toilet paper just one you know small square and I yeah. thought well that's that's kind of interesting well now she's back she's back with yet another take on on the whole toilet paper thing <laughs> Cheryl Crow. Um, Use she now hand. has well, as you know, she has an assortment of environmental demands that she makes. Um, you know, a lot of artists when they go on tour, they have what are called riders. In other words, things that they demand. You know, some people just demand a, bot a few bottles of water and maybe uh, some cookies, or you know, everybody has their own weird demands. Well, uh, but. Apparently, her the environmental portion of this is to be strictly followed and policed, seeking to minimize the overall environmental impact of the tour. Crow demands that only biodegradable cups and dinnerware be used by the uh, by the uh, caterer. Produce should be organic and purchased from local suppliers as much as possible. And uh, for the for the live backstage watering stations, water must be sourced from a local spring water vendor. <laughs> a local spring water vendor. According to Crow's Rider, check it out. Her tour party travels between gigs in two 45-foot buses while her equipment is packed into two tractor trailers. Crow, 48... Uh. 48. Wow, she's 48 now. She also offers um, promoters, quote, venue greening suggestions. She wants traditional light bulbs swapped out for the compact fluorescent bulbs, which, by the way, we've read about the the CFL bulbs are, are actually more dangerous. 
Anyway, um, all offices, dressing rooms, and common areas, she wants them all fitted with those uh, CFLs. Eco-friendly cleaning and bathroom products and post-consumer recycled toilet paper and paper towels. Yes, that's right. Recycled toilet paper. Oh, yummy. Oh, boy. All right. You know that that recycled toilet paper? Have you ever used it? Okay. You have to use more of it to get the job done. I'm sorry. It's not... It's not good as what they, you know, was what you would call virgin toilet paper. It's not as good. It takes twice as much to get the dingleberries off. I mean, I don't want to be gross here. I, you know, I don't, I don't mean to be crude. I'm just telling you the reality of the situation is that recycled toilet, and, and it hurts, man. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to tear that not exactly up. Exactly, charming soft. If you yeah. Know what I mean. Yeah, it's not quilted northern or whatever. <laughs> Crow's Rider also notes that, quote, we strongly encourage you to use renewable sources and or to buy sustainable energy credits where possible. Many local utilities offer green power as an option. Please check with yours and opt in. The document also details how Crow's backstage hospitality room is to be is to be stocked. Uh, the singer needs an assortment of biodegradable non-petroleum cups and 24 disposable napkins made of 100% recycled fiber. Crow's Rider also lists a wide variety of drinks and snacks that she needs, including organic coconut water and two bottles of Cabernet... Uh, sh- uh, some, I don't know, some crap. I actually, uh, I've actually had coconut water before. It's actually not half bad. She wants dark organic chocolate bars described <laughs> as very important in, uh, in in stars with 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 uh, you know in, in star start out. You, you know, know so. the worst part is her organic chocolate is probably like imported from South Africa. Yeah, they so probably the trucks to trucks to take it to the sea. Yep, and either you know the ships or the plane. And then the more trucks and the more planes to get the chocolate to her, then you know the more CO two to get to keep the store running and all that. So organic chocolate probably costs more, and you know probably costing the environment more than just regular at Hershey bar. Oh yeah, we did that story that uh, that eating green may actually be hurting the environment more because you have to go to more lengths to get it, and it's um, you know in order to keep it fresh, it, it's it's much harder to keep that kind of stuff fresh. Uh, it's, we, uh, we've talked about that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm looking here at a, at a, a previous version of the Cheryl Crow rider for her, um, for her tours. And it even has her liquor schedule on it. Check this out. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by this on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. She needs a small bottle of Kettle One vodka that will be mixed with a half gallon of organic cranberry juice. On Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, Crow requires a bottle of of Patron tequila that will be mixed with a half gallon of organic grapefruit juice. By the way, there's more of this. There's actually six more pages of this crap. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. (laughs) Yeah, and then brushing my teeth with the bottle of Jack. Oh, my God. 
Unbelievable. So that's the Cheryl Crow rider right there. Cheryl Crow is not. Yes, let's use recycled toilet paper. Listen. Yeah. I. I... That's like saying, hey, we both. Uh, I'm not even going to do it. That's disgusting. I'm going to cut myself short. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I am. I do not want to repulse the people of the audience. All right. All right, uh, anyway. <laughs> Recycled toilet paper. Remind me never to go to Cheryl Crow's house. <laughs> All right. I, no, wonder, no wonder she broke up with Sting. I'm sorry, I can't use that. I can't <laughs> use that recycled toilet paper. I'll write a hit song. I can't write a hit song. I can't, I can't write a hit song. My bum is all snogged up here. Yeah, Sting suddenly became Australian. I don't know, I don't know how that <laughs> happened, but uh, whatever. Uh, All right, so folks, uh, again, a dereliction of duty on my part. I forgot to remind you, but now you know, and knowing is half the battle. The other, the, the other half of the battle, More of course. you know, all the other cliches. Of course, the other half of the battle, you probably are going to need bombs because look out, it's the holiest month in the Islamic calendar. It's And in commemoration of Ramabam. Uh, we, we usually, every year around Ramabam, we usually set the over-under of number of uh, deaths associated with Ramabam. Ramalama Ding Dong. And, uh, we, you know, I'm just going to put out a flat number this year. I think there's going to be at least 300 deaths associated with Ramabam this year. That's kind of a low number. I think the Muslims are calming down a little this year. Yeah. Muslim. Anyway, uh, President Obama is going to host a special evening meal observed during Ramalama Ding Dong on Friday night. Tonight, this is tonight in the White House dining room. Obama will be. Uh, he's gonna. He, he participated in a similar uh, gathering last year. Uh, celebrations like uh, these uh, Ramalama Ding Dong uh, dinners, quote, this is according to Obama. This is a quote from Obama. He says that it reminds us of the principles that we hold in common and that Islam's role in advancing justice, progress, tolerance, and the dignity of all human beings. Yes, the similar what? values of the Muslims and the American people. What? I can name what? off about two. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on a minute. I, I must have read this wrong. Just a second. I'm, I'm going to go back and see if I read this wrong. Let's see. Okay, uh, Obama writes that these celebrations, quote, remind us of the principles that we hold in common and Islam's role in advancing justice, progress, tolerance, and the dignity of all human beings. Hmm, I'm looking for the word not in here. <laughs> and I don't see it. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Man, well, let's, am... let's, now let's analyze this. Let's analyze this. Uh, he says that uh, Islam, it reminds us of the principles that we hold in common. Islam's role in advancing justice. Well, uh -huh. let's see. Uh, well, according to Sharia law, women are basically lower than animals. Uh, that would be justice, and of course, if you if you steal a candy bar from a store, they cut your hand off. If you if you get raped, if you're the victim of rape, you get killed. That's their justice. 
No, no, no. The rapist. No, no, no. And let me be clear. The rapist doesn't get killed. The person that was raped gets killed. It's called an honor killing. Yeah, let's see. All you, right. Uh, uh, with your man, you so get let's see. So advancing justice. Oh yeah, if you if if you're gay, you're done. You're you're done. Yeah, uh, you're you're. I mean, you're out. So let's see. So that's advan- That's their idea of advancing justice. And uh, let's see. He also says progress. Oh yes, the progress again. Women don't have any rights. Uh, they are not allowed to vote. They still have stonings. Um, this is the kind of progress. Uh, and and of course, anybody that doesn't agree with them, they just kill you. Progress about which ties into his now. his next point, which is tolerance. Again, you disagree, you die. Um, tolerance, uh, the tolerance of the, of course, of the American way of life, and that only that tolerance. They showed us their tolerance. They took out our our World Trade Center and Pentagon. Oh yeah, and of course, the dignity of all human beings, the dignity, especially of of women. And the dignity of children whom they indoctrinate to hate people, especially the Jews. Uh, so, yes, once again, um, Obama reminds us, the great, great President Obama reminds us of those principles that we hold in common with Islam. Those okay, great principles now, of justice, progress, tolerance. It's like... <laughs> I, I've heard a lot of stupid things in all my life. I've heard of a lot of stupid things. I mean, I know, you know, interviews like this, press releases, whatever. A lot of people are caught on the fly. A lot of people say stupid things that they regret. But this statement, it, it's, um, there's no excuse. There is no, no excuse for that statement. I don't care if you're drunk, you're high, you have a mental disorder, and your yeah. speech is disabled. Mm. No person could comprehend that statement except maybe well, I would suggest that you, if, if you thought it was getting deep in here before, I suggest you get your boots on and, uh, and get ready to wade through a, another brown storm because here it comes. Here comes more crap to fill the room. Quote from Obama. Ramadan is a celebration of a faith known for great diversity and racial equality. A reminder that Islam uh. a reminder that Islam has always been a part of America and that American Muslims have made extraordinary contributions to our country. I bet the teleprompter was broken. All I can say to this off. comment name me some since he makes the comment, the, the president makes the statement, so why don't you go ahead and name me the uh Muslims that have made extraordinary contributions to our country. Name any of the extraordinary contributions that Muslims have made to our economy. Aside from, boy, they're really great at construction. No, I I, I said here's what happened. They're really great at taking buildings down. No, here's what I'm thinking what happened, right? Scaring people. One one of the guys at the office was like playing a prank on him, and they didn't realize the microphone was on. You know, it's like, just put whatever you think on the teleprompter, make him say it. He'll read anything. Yeah, the, the, one of the speechwriters is like, I bet I can get Obama to read this. I bet you can't. I bet he bet. No, man. This guy, he'll read you anything. That I you, can get him to read it. You, you, you put anything on that teleprompter, he'll, he'll read it. 20 bucks, man. Fine. Okay, I'll put something really ridiculous. Um, talk about, how, talk about how Islam is great and how it... Um, I, 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 okay, write this and see if he reads it. See if uh, there's no way anybody would read this tripe. Just write Ramadan is a celebration of a faith known for great diversity and racial equality. 
Yeah, I don't think anybody would be dumb enough to read that. All right, and also, and then also write a reminder that Islam has always been part of America, and that American Muslims have made extraordinary contributions to our country. Oh man, that's too stupid for even running Stimpy. This is cool. He read it. Uh, uh, dude, he, he's reading it. The dinner comes amid a growing controversy over the uh, proposed construction of an Islamic cultural center, a, a mosque, if you will, at the uh, site of Ground Zero. Of course, Americans are overwhelmingly opposed to it, but guess what? It's getting built. So that's the middle finger to uh, Americans. You get screwed. Yeah, David, you're better not agreeing with us now. Yes, we're going to build the middle finger right there next to the World Trade Center, you stupid American pieces of crap. Oh, but we love the diversity. Oh, look at all that freedom. We're going to exercise that. And uh, Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters, of course, the embattled representative from the state of California. Well, she uh, she's facing, among other things, ethics charges... And, um, well, she's gone to a great defense. You know, you might say maybe, uh, well, I didn't do it. Well, no, she doesn't say she didn't do it necessarily. You know what she does? She blames Bush. Why not? Everybody else does. She blames Bush for her problems. She says that it's the fault of the Bush administration for her ethics problems, saying that she had to intervene with the Treasury Department on behalf of minority-owned banks seeking federal bailout funds, including one owned by her husband or one tied to her husband. You know, so that's, that's, that's one American of the violations public. is that she got involved in the Treasury Department and she tried to bail out banks, and one of the banks that she tried to bail out her husband has a big old stake of money in. You can't do that. It's illegal. Because the Treasury Department wouldn't schedule its own appointments. She says that, you know, the Bush administration. Well, um, <clears throat> you know who was in charge, though, during the last two years of the Bush administration? You know who was in charge of all that? The Democrats. Here's a little secret for you. The Democrats were actually in control of that. That's right. Democrats oversaw all of those committees. It was the Democrats that actually had control. George Bush was just the president. The House and Senate were controlled by the Democrats. They were the ones that were responsible for looking into this sort of thing. If the American public buys all this, next time I get in trouble at school, I'm just going to go blame Bush. I got to see on a test, blame Bush. Why not? Tell your teacher, uh, your, your assignment's late. Like, get out of jail free your, your, assi- your assignment's late. Yeah, it's Bush's fault. Oh, okay. You're right. <laughs> yes. You know, they blame... I, I hear the, the two co- most common talking points that you hear on so-called progressive radio are Reaganomics, they use those that word all the time, and then they'll say Bush. You, you blame Bush... And, of course, multinational corporations. Everybody, Everybody's the devil. Everybody's to blame. Yeah, actually, uh, I actually had a story about somebody I argue on the internet with, but it's a little long, though. Yeah. Quote, the question at this point should be why I called Secretary Paulson and why I had to. Uh, the question at this point should be why a trade association representing over 100 minority banks could not get a meeting at the height of the crisis. 
But the House Ethics Committee, which is investigating Waters for allegedly uh, improperly using her position for personal gain, says in its report of charges that when the meeting was held, the officers of only one bank came, and that was one United Bank, the bank that her husband was a part of. Gasp. What a surprise. Sidney Williams, her husband, of course, he served as a member of One United's board of directors from January 2004 until April 2008 and was a stockholder in the bank. Oops. Your hand is in the cookie jar and you've been caught. Ain't my fault. A person that uses her places of power to her advantage, that's just unrealistic and untrue and you know it, Mike. Yeah. You imagine... Can you imagine? So uh, that's so, you know, again, you just what you have to do is you you just you blame Bush and uh, and and everything. Everything will work out if, as long as you do that, as long as you make sure you blame Bush. Um, all right. Always. So so it's about that time. Uh, it's time to get a little bit time to get a little geeky with it. You know, time to yeah. time to nerd out this show a little bit and, and get into. uh Staring at the TV set, play that. Let me see that Genesis. Gamer staring at the TV set, play that. I wanna see that NES. All right, it's time to uh, take a look at some of the stuff happening in the world of geekdom. And of course, with that, I, I want to say before we before uh, I throw it to James, I have a StarCraft too. You know, I've been playing Star. It's StarCraft two is pretty cool. I uh, I like it. You know the main complaint that people have with the game, with StarCraft Two, is that you know the the multi or the uh, the single player campaign. They only put out the the ter- one of one of the three races uh, single player campaign, and they're going to put out the other two. They're going to stagger those out over the next couple of years. Who buys a real time strategy game just to play a single player campaign? Why would you do that? I mean, the success of StarCraft is based on its multiplayer functionality. It's based on playing other players or playing other players against computers and stuff like that. It's based on that aspect of the strategy, not the single player campaign. People that are complaining about that, shut up. Thank you. All right. All right. right, Well, let's see. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, transitioning away from that, let's see. Uh, Let's see. I think I'll start with this. Now, um, I saw this on Yahoo Video Games, and it really interested me because, um, as you know, like the unemployment is uh, at ten percent, quote unquote. You know, yeah, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yep. All that stuff. Uh, let's see. There's this article saying that video games may impact the economy more than you think. Let's see. Uh, the opening line is, it's hardly a secret that video games are a growing force in the entertainment industry, but they might be bigger than many people think. Let's see. A new study from Economist Incorporated reports that the video game industry added $4.95 billion to the U.S. gross domestic product last wow. year. Wow. That's like, uh, that's that's up there in, in porn territory. <laughs> oh, that's more than that's more than the NFL. Yeah, I don't watch porn. I play Super Mario Brothers. Ah, uh, snap. <laughs> well, let's see. The real annual. Ah, damn, sorry about that. 
Real annual growth among game makers topped 10% between 2005 and 2009, according to the study. Let's see, that's seven times the growth rate of the U.S. economy. Uh, let's see, the report does underscore how devastating last year was for the game industry, however. Real annual growth between 2005 and 2008 was 16.7%. In 2009, the game industry thought its first negative growth in 2002 as sales fell 8% from the 2008 figures. Let's see, um, the once-thought recession-proof video game industry, you know, it's obviously become... Uh, yeah, because actually, uh, a couple months ago, um, there was this video, I mean, it was floating around. Everybody thought the video game industry was recession-proof because it was literally skyrocketing a couple of months ago. Let's see, on the employment front, while other industries have been cutting back their payroll, there's a hiring boom going on in the video game world. Since 2005, the total number of people who've worked in games has increased by nearly 9% annually. Today, there are more than 32,000 people directly employed by the publishers and uh, developers in 34 states. They're pretty well paid, too. On average, uh, industry employees receive an annual compensation of $89,781, wow. with the industry total hitting $2.9 billion. A note to job seekers, blah, 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 you know, averaging over 112000 a year versus roughly seventy-six to smaller developed studios. So basically they're saying, you know, go work at Nintendo instead of Alienware or something like that. Yeah, but still, regardless, you're going to get paid pretty handsomely to work in the video game industry. If you can get in, if you can get in, you're gonna get some. You're gonna get paid. You're gonna get some bucks. Make some. You're gonna get some bling bling. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see. Could you uh, have said that any whiter? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Despite the challenge economic, the challenging economic environment. Excuse me. The entertainment software industry continues to grow and create new jobs at a rapid pace. CEO of the ESA in a statement. Uh, let's see. The entertainment software industry is well uh, positioned to sustain the economic and social, I uh, just laugh at that word, contrib contributions well into the future. I won't argue economically, but socially, um, no thanks. <laughs> Let's see, California has been seeing the most benefits for gaming growth, not surprising since so many companies, including EA and Activision, are based there. Let's see. Activision, well, of course, being the, the company that uh, now owns Blizzard Entertainment. Yeah. Let's who, of course, has yeah. StarCraft, uh, StarCraft II, WoW, Diablo, all that stuff. Yeah, let's see. Uh, entertainment software companies added roughly $2.1 to the state economy and grew by a real annual rate of 11.4% from 2005 to 2009, according to the report. Let's see, blah, blah, blah. Texas has the second highest uh, annual gaming personnel. They have Gearbox and Disney. Uh, let's see. The numbers could shift in the year to come, though, as many states have started to offer economic incentive to lure game, game markers. Wow. Uh, Virginia, for instance, has seen some game-related employment jump 77% from 2005 to 2009. Wow. Wow. I mean, uh, that yeah. actually... Uh, Go to make some games. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. See what you did there. Get paid. Uh, see. Yeah. 
Recent interviews are going to be quite effective, too. 38 Studios recently announced plan to relocate from Boston to Rhode Island after officials state agreed to provide the developer with a $75 million loan guarantee. See, now, this just goes to show you that in economic times like these, uh, people are still looking for entertainment. I mean, back during the Great Depression, everybody was looking to watch movies, and nowadays, it's video games. You know, I mean, video games are a very renewable source of entertainment. It takes our mind off, you know, what happened well, today, and, yep. you know, we got all these bills to pay. I mean, whether so it's what better way to... Uh, you know, get rid of all that than to play, you know, Sonic or, you know, some Super Mario Bros. Right. Wii or some of that. Right, whether this it's whether it's a Flash game on Facebook or Yahoo or MSN games or, or it's a console system or a PC game or whatever it may be. I mean, just the, the amount of people that play video games, you know, it's not just kids anymore. It, it's it's such a, a huge, huge market. Oh, well, to be, to be fair, back in the day, you know, video games was a bit more adult-oriented for some reason like that. But whatever. Uh, this is why uh, I have, like, some people ask, what do I do? I play video games. Like, I don't play video games all the time. I more or less collect them. But I do play the occasional, you know, Game Boy or whatever. And people said, I don't get it. What's so fun about Why can't you just go outside and do it? You know, uh, it's not always sun and shining outside. Sometimes it's raining. And when it's raining, I got to click a few buttons, you know? <laughs> That's, you know... Touch all the buttons on the controller. As gotcha. the song says. Uh, I just found that article really interesting. That is. That's great. I mean, you know, it's, it just goes to show you that... Um, it, there's there's just a few industries that are... And it's hard to say anything's recession-proof, but there are, there are some that don't sustain the type of losses that others do in recessions. And clearly, the video game industry appears to be one of those. Another one, I think, too, is, pro you know, again, uh, bars, you know, alcohol, the alcohol industry in general. Blame it on the uh, 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 alcohol. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. All right. Uh, I, I am just a parade of awkward, aren't I? Sure. Uh Let's see. Uh, oh, this is actually something interesting. Uh, Burgeoning game developer moving to another state might not sound like much at first, but when that company is owned and operated by former Red Sox ace pitcher Kurt Schilling, it shows just how big a draw the, those incentives can be. Yep. I did not know Kurt Schilling owned and operated a gaming company. Oh, yeah, Kurt Schilling... <clears throat> when he was a pitcher for the Diamondbacks, he would. Uh, it was well chronicled how much, how into games he was, how into gaming he was, and that he said after he gets out of baseball, he the the thing that he really wanted to do is starting a gaming company and and get going on all that. Wow. Well, yep. You learn something new every day. Yep. All right. Well, let's see. Moving. I mean, there was not too much comment on it, but that. I mean, it, it speaks for itself. You know, the the video game industry. It's undeniably huge. You can't ignore it anymore. Yep. All right, well, let's see. Moving on to that, I actually have a rather stale piece, but I still found it interesting because, you know, well, I just love it when people act stupid sometimes. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Death Note is being banned in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Let's see. Uh, oh, let's see. Uh, 
Uh, let's see. New Mexico, the Albuquerque Public High School held a Thursday hearing over a parent's concern on Death Note manga series, but a committee, uh, a committee voted ununanimously un against a proposal on the district-wide ban on the manga. Let's see. Peggy Salazar, a mother of a student at Albuquerque's Volcano Vista High School. That's uh, it's quite a mouthful of a name, isn't it? Uh, let's see. Yes. Advocated for the ban and added, Killing is just not something we should put out there for our kids to read in this way. At least two of the districts, 13 other high schools, uh, Valley High School and Astrico Heritage Academy, also carry the manga in their libraries. Now, apparently, this, uh, is a, this is a series of books that details... Um, yeah, I can... Uh, <clears throat> hang on. I'm, I can give the briefing, Mike. Give me a moment. Let's see. In the Death Note suspense manga live-action film, an anime adaptation, a teenager finds a notebook which he can uh, put people to death by writing their names and dictate the manners of death. And he basically wants to rid the world of evil, so he starts killing off criminals and such. And um, obviously he gets attention and all that, and nobody knows who he is, and it's all secret. And, you know, it, it drags on for 12 volumes. It's a very good series. It, it focuses on how people should act kindly and justice and all that. My big problem is I can think of a handful of books off of the top of my head that have just as much death and display it in just the same matter as this book. This is probably... I wouldn't doubt if this mother was, like, knew the person who tried to ban manga in the public library when her son got scarred for life or whatever. I mean, like, think about it. Romeo and Juliet, that has, like, towards the end it had hundreds of, like, ten deaths, I think. Let's see, you got Romeo, you got the, you got Paris, Develta Macbeth. You also have Harry Potter 7. I know a lot of libraries probably have that. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's books with all kinds of death and all kinds of different messages in it. Just to single out this book, that's, you know, it seems kind of silly, but <clears throat> that's... um. That's uh, the rather than parents being excited that their kids are reading things, um, they're upset that they're reading things that oh my goodness they depict death. It's well, just a, <clears throat> got news oh, for you. We oh. all we all it's going to happen to all of us sooner or later. Oh, I I don't want my son reading such. I don't want my, I don't want my son to think about vi that kind of violence. Well, I mean it's not even violence. He writes somebody's name down in a book and they die. Well, what's, well, what's the message there? The message there is, there is no yeah. message. It just yeah. chill out. You know, yeah. chill. It's sort of like Mortal Kombat when everybody flipped out and was like, "Oh, he's ripping out somebody's spine." Yeah, somebody tries to do that in real life, not a whole lot's gonna happen. Yeah, I doubt I could. No, I did that to a guy at Circle K the other day, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, ho ho. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is the first time in five years that district had considered banning a book. And a spokesperson told the program that the district actually hadn't banned a book in recent memory. Let's see. Tom Jean, one of the seven committee members on that Thursday hearing, said, High school-age students do grapple with questions about justice and morality and whether civilization or societies of which they are part of are making good decisions. This guy should write a novel. Yeah. He sounds like Barack Obama with the teleprompter. Got a nice mouth on it. Anyway, Eddie Soto, the district associate superintendent for 
Secretary of Education will make the final decision on the manga. Blah, blah, blah. It has, um, has a lot of stuff about students who took the death note a little too seriously, and they tried to write down their uh, students' and teachers' name in the notebook. Let's see. Some of them were suspended. I think one of them was expelled. One of them almost got arrested. Let's see. The police are investigating. They must have done that. <laughs> <clears throat> they must have done something more than just write the name down. No, that, that's all they did. Let's see. I can. I can. Let's see. I can read this. Let's see. In a separate development, the WXI Television stated reported on Monday that a 14-year-old eighth-grade student in Pennsylvania Avonworth Middle School was suspended after a death note list was found on a school bus last week. <laughs> According to the mother of an 8th grade student at the school, the notebook paper listed the names of several students in the same grade and teenage Canadian pop singer Justin Bieber. I think we should give this guy a medal, not suspend him. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, I really hate Justin I've Bieber. fantasized about killing that guy, too. I mean, what, what the hell? <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, Ohio Township Police said a student wrote death note on the upper right corner of the <laughs> paper but added that the list did not constitute a crime. <laughs> Although the police are still investigating, Chief Norbert McLoath added, told WPXI, there was nothing that, sub that substantiated the threat, just names and a date on it. Yeah, just like he said, that's sort of what the book series is about. Let's see. Yeah. There have been at least six previous incidents in the United States where officials linked death notes to students being disciplined. A high school senior near Richmond, Virginia, was suspended in 2007 over a list of his classmates that the school uh, principal linked to death. Well, note. I mean, I understand that you have to be a little bit cautious because of just, you know, ever since uh, Columbine and, and all these other things, there are certain things that you do have to be concerned about, but... One word for here it is, here it is. Uh, let's see. Um, in Gaddison, Alabama, two sixth-grade students were arrested in the following mm -hmm. month for a notebook that allegedly listed their school staff and fellow students in a similar manner to the Death Note anime. And here's, an, here's another. A middle school in Gate Harbor, Washington, expelled one student and disciplined three others in May 2008 for writing 50 names in their own Death Note book. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to indicate a space there. Let's see, two elementary school students in uh, uh, Oklahoma City were disciplined last December for allegedly listing two students and the manner of their fictional death in death notebook and the death note notebook, bleh, feels really weird saying that. An eighth grade student was suspended indefinitely from a middle school in Owasso, Michigan after a death note notebook was found this past March. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, the librarians nominated for the Young Adults Book Award and the manga's Taiwanese publisher and nonprofit Taiwanese watchdog group supported the, the work for raising issues. So let's see. You had one who was arrested, one who was a uh, couple who were suspended, one was expelled, and plenty of others were disciplined. Right. So, oh man, that is just, man, that was a mouthful. All right. <sighs> I can read the series, and I can tell you firsthand that uh, it's it's stupidity to try to ban these books. I can think a well, hundred. Yeah, it, it 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 just seems it seems kind of silly. It's really yeah. What else are you? I, I anything? Huh? 
I said, do you have anything else over there? Uh, I'd like to briefly mention that Border and Barnes and Noble are having issues um, with their company. But then again, everybody is, and Blockbuster is nearing bankruptcy. I just, I just don't want to. Oh, a blockbuster by my house. There was a blockbuster about a mile away. I mean, man, I went there for years and years. Uh, that place, uh, that they closed. They're done. There was like a Hollywood video. There was like a couple of video stores right by my house. They're 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 gone. See ya. Actually, yeah. I don't know. I, maybe that blockbuster isn't closed. I don't even remember now. I, I thought it was though. I was pretty sure because they had expanded it. They had made it this huge video store. But now with Netflix and just videos so easily accessible who would go and rent a movie I mean, you know that that's what we did in the 80s and 90s we went you know you, you rented a movie you know you had a chick over you curled up on the couch you had some popcorn you watched movie made out a little bit and got arrested for sexual assault and then you spent a couple of nights in jail with a big guy and you and you got butt raised you, you learned Learned about broomsticks. And then you went before the judge. I mean, good times. I'm telling you right now. <clears throat> it, was some, uh, it was some good times. Uh, All right. Um, Mike at KMGX.com is the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet, IRC, Net Radio, the channel. Promise somebody a bumper, so I have to do it. You know, if you donate money to this show... You get whatever bumper you want played. That's how it works. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, as always, make a $20 donation and I will draw whatever you request. Well, there you go. Including lesbians. Yeah. Porn. Yes. Including animated porn. Okay. All right. Let's see. What was I going to... Oh, yeah. Mike at KMGX.com. Email and PayPal address. Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Um, MichaelGraff.com for all of your other Michael Graff needs. Coming up, take a look at the pop chart. Got to get into the uh, Dr. Laura stuff. Also, uh, James has the top 10 most expensive watches of all time. That's always fun. These are, these are some pretty awesome watches. Rolex yeah, they... bound to be on there somewhere. That actually, I don't think I even saw Rolex. Wow, not even a Rolex with like five Rolexes. Let's not like five Rolexes gl glued it's together. No dog, I heard you like Rolex, so we put a Rolex within your Rolex. Yeah, it's like we've decided to make one for every time zone in the United States. So we've we've taken five Rolexes and and we have, you know, we've we've uh, melded them together. It's the quintuple Rolex. We made a Rolex melted out of other Rolexes. <laughs> it's the ultimate Rolex. Alright, back after this. Michael Graff in exile on a Friday. More
back with segment number three. It's Michael Graff in exile on a Friday the 13th. Yes. We really should have uh, invested in some scary music. We, we tried with Lady Gaga. That would have worked. Oh, you know, I don't know. Just couldn't, couldn't get the theme. I was going to try for something uh, scary, but... Let's see. Here, we could have... You know what? We could have played... We could have played this. This would have been kind of scary. Yeah, we could have... Yeah, let's do this. Here. Little Michael yeah. Jackson. There you go. Beat it. Little zombie child molester for you. That's pretty scary stuff. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger. Michael Graff Show. The screen name, of course. Our PayPal address, Mike at KMGX.com. You can always donate to this program. Anytime we always take your donations and, you know, we're I, unlike a lot of people, I'm willing to admit it. I'm, I can be bought. I can be bought and paid for at any time. So go ahead, uh, send your donations to us again, Mike at KMGX.com. Uh, send money. Thank you. Uh, self-promotion, self-indulgence. That's what I'm all about here. Uh, MichaelGraff.com for the rest of your Michael Graff needs. You can go and hang out in our interactive and exciting chat channel available to you 24-7, 365. I do respond to all emails, messages, including the death threats. So you go right on ahead and keep those coming on in. Alright, I have to mention this. Over the years on this program, I have certainly been critical of one Dr. Laura Schlesinger. She's one of these people that comes on the radio. She has a show that's an advice show. She gives out um, advice, uh, psychological advice, or, or just general life advice, dating advice, etc., to people that call into her show. And, you know, listen, I don't necessarily have problems with shows like that. I, I don't like pseudo-psychology kind of people. But, look, if you're going to have a radio show and people are going to call in and they're going to ask you for an opinion, you for advice, then go ahead and dispense it. The problem that I've had with Dr. Laura over the years is that this is one of these women that comes on and talks about how gay people is immoral. It's unnatural biologically, which, of course, is a bunch of tripe. This woman claims to be a, a, a scientist in a sense. She claims to, to know things, but she doesn't. Uh, I mean, uh, homosexuality exists in 10% of all animals, including the human uh, race. So she's just way off in the weeds, but that's her opinion because she's one of these ultra-religious freaks. I believe she's Jewish. I, I, I would assume with the name Schlesinger, that's, that's pretty Jewish. So I, I don't know. I don't know what she is. I just know that she's very religious and always, uh, you know, cramming crap about God and, and you know, worship. And um, people will call up her show and they'll be like, Dr. Laura, um... You know, I've been living with my boyfriend for about two years now. Why aren't you married? Oh, well, because we, um, well, we're just not. We're, we're in a committed relationship. How do you know it's committed unless you're actually married to the guy? Well, I mean, uh, doc, uh, well, because we're monogamous. Well, you don't know that. He's has, he hasn't married you. 
Meanwhile, this is a woman that has a son that's like a, a, a nut. Uh, he's off just, I don't know, he's, he's crazy. He, she's, uh, she's been divorced. Uh, there's some pictures many years ago, late 90s-ish, there's some pictures that turned up of her when she was about 30 years old in all sorts of interesting and provocative positions. And so Dr. Laura certainly isn't necessarily on the moral high ground. And I have lambasted her on this program many times over the years. However, this one time I'm, I, you know, I'm nothing if not fair. And I have to come to the defense of this Dr. Laura. A caller calls into her show um, and says, hey, uh, this, this is a black woman that calls her show and says, hey, uh, I'm in an interracial relationship. And um, my husband and my husband's friends, they use the N-word, okay? And uh, again, you know, we're, we're having a discussion about race and people have to say the N-word. It's just ridiculous. But anyway, she, so they, they say, among other things, they say all sorts of racial pejoratives. around, And I feel uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable around it. I feel uncomfortable with that. Um, what should I do? And Dr. Laura says, listen, you, you got to get over that. You knowingly entered into an interracial relationship. You've got to know that in interracial dating, there's going to be um, those challenges. And what is, I mean, it's just a word. I mean, that's real, kind of what Dr. Laura was saying. It's just a word, get over it. But the problem is then she says, it's just a word. The word, and she says, this is, you know, her quote direct, uh, the word nigger is just a word. And then she says it like several times over and over again. Now I'm going to play, this is the full news clip from this. And you'll hear the, you'll hear the part from Dr. Laura's show. Uh, the, the, of course, the word nigger is bleeped out. Now you see, people would come down on me for using the word. And I'm just discussing the usage of the word. It's not even a swear, and yet we decide that oh, we've got to dump it, or we've got to, we've got to, we've got to bleep it out. Who bleeps that? It's just a word. It's it, it, Dr. Laura was not even using the word in a in a pejorative fashion. She was saying you just have to accept it. If you're going to be in this relationship, you either have to accept it or you have to confront your husband and his friends about it. That's really what Dr. Laura was saying. She may not have articulated the point as well as she should have. She probably shouldn't have just said the word outright, but she did, and I don't think it was a big deal. Here, to everybody else, this appears to be a controversy. And it doesn't matter if you're a conservative host, a liberal host. Everybody seems to be coming down on Dr. Laura for this. Uh, here is, let's see if I still have it. Yeah, here's the full uh, news story about it. And, you know, you make the call. You tell me if you think that I'm out of line, I'm out of whack here, because I think that, frankly... This is just another example of how we can't have racial discourse, discussions, real discussions about racial issues in this country anymore. Here is, uh, here's the story. Radio talk host Dr. Laura Schlesinger made national news. She was apologizing for saying gays and lesbians were a biological error, among other incendiary remarks. Schlesinger is apologizing again, this time for saying the N-word several times on the air. The controversy began when Dr. Laura told a black caller, a woman named Jade, that she was too sensitive for complaining that her white husband's friends made racist comments about her in their home. Oh, it depends how it's said. Is it, is it okay to say that word? Is it ever okay it's to say a, that word? It depends how it's said. Black guys talking to each other seem to think it's okay. 
But you're not black. They're not black. My oh, I see. So a word is restricted to race. Got it. Can't do much I, about that. I, I can't believe someone like you is on the radio screwing out the n- word, and I hope everybody. I didn't heard spew it. out the n- word. Right. I said that's what you hear. Heard it. Yes, they did. But I hope you, everybody heard it. So what they did, and I'll say it again. Is what you so hear on HB. Why don't you let me finish a sentence? We've been 400 years trying to get rid of that word. You know, and right down to this day, since the age of 1998, they do not print that word no more, not even in the dictionary. It's Which actually isn't true. They do print it in no the dictionary. No integrity to yourself. It just, it doesn't, it's not good at all. Black guys use it all the time. Turn on HBO, listen to a black comic, and all you hear is... I've heard it from both sides where a lot of guys are saying, you know, you know, they use it between their friends and, you know, it's an intimate thing. But honestly, I, I honestly feel highly disrespected anytime anybody uses it. Schlesinger did issue an apology saying she had made a horrible mistake. She said, I was attempting to make a philosophical point and I articulated the N-word all the way out more than one time. And that was wrong. I'll say it again. That was wrong. But civil rights activist Al Sharpton, for one, yeah, is buying it. At no point until after the outrage that followed uh, did she come back today and say it was wrong. Some have wondered if Dr. Laura's show will survive this latest incident. So far, she still has her job. Allison King, NECN. Something in the you know, wrong until you're caught. Here's the thing. And, and the point about this story is Dr. Laura was right. Guys, uh, black guys still use this word. This is the, you know, it, it's still in rap music. It's still uh, in the black community. People still use this word. Bill Cosby said just this the other, uh, well, not the other day, but he has said this many times over the years. Bill Cosby has been a big champion for this. I'm not even really a big fan of Bill Cosby, but he says things like this. He says in the black community, we have a problem. People use incorrect grammar, improper grammar all the time. They say the N word to each other all the time. Bill Cosby saying this, but it's okay for him to talk about it because he's a black guy. And it's okay for black people, I guess, to use the word. And it's okay to hear it on HBO. What about Hispanic people? Hmm, can they use the word? Oh, no. No, 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 no. But they get their own series of words that they can use. See, that's just ridiculous. This is the problem. We can't even have this discussion because everybody's coming down on Dr. Laura for the the choice of word that she used. But they're not addressing the main issue here. And that is that why is it okay for some people to use some words and not okay for other people to use those words? We're we're trying to have a, an intellectual discussion. She was trying to have an intellectual discussion with this caller about a racial issue, a legitimate issue in her own home. Now, what Dr. Laura maybe should have said, and maybe she should have articulated this better. Maybe Dr. Laura should have said, look, um, I think what you need to do is go to your husband and you need to say to him, this is not acceptable. I don't like when you're your friends say uh, these kind of pejorative terms. I don't like when you say these kinds of pejorative terms. I don't like to hear them. They offend me. They offend me because, frankly, uh, I've had to hear these words throughout much of my life. They're a sign, a, a symbol of discrimination or whatever you, you want to say. Uh, and I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. But Dr. Laura said, hey, you're, you chose to be in an interracial relationship and you should deal with this. 
They're just words. And you know, that's her opinion. They're just words. I don't know why we got so worked up. You know, there was a time in this country where that word was just used. You know, there, there's, there's still people in this country that refer to black people as colored. And in fact, matter of fact, there are black people that want to be called colored. If you, uh, mostly older black people, you, if you say to them, no, don't call me black or don't call me African-American, that offends them. I have had, I had a discussion with a guy once, a, a black guy in a, in a college class. He was an older guy. Uh, he was in this college class. I was in this sociology class. And he would say to us, he would say to other people in the class too, he would say, don't call me African-American. He said, I'm black. He said, some people call me colored. He goes, that's what we, that's what everybody called us when we were kids. They called black, you know, they said people of color or colored people. He said, that's what I want to be referred to as. He goes, I mean, I'd rather, you know, I'm an American. I'm an American guy, but I'm all, I'm, I'm black. He said, I'm, I'm colored. He said, I'm not African American. I wasn't born in Africa. I was born in the United States. So if you want a nationality, he said, I'm, I'm American. If you want a race, he said, I'm black. I'm colored. I have color to my skin. That was his take. Now, other people are offended by that. That's fine. It's just that we can't even have this discussion because if I tried to have this very discussion on the air right now, some board op would be freaking out. They'd be calling the program director going, oh my God, he said the word colored on the air. I don't know if I should dump it. I mean, what should I do? Should I dump it? I mean, that's what would be going on. Actually, uh, the same thing pretty much happened to me. I was like uh, talking to somebody about a movie. It was one of my white friends and um, they had a character and they forgot the name and I'm like, that black chick, right? And they go, Michael! I'm like, what? What did I say? She was African-American, not black. <sighs> I'm like, they're, they're, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, that black chick. You know? Yeah, Ooh, I mean, that's... Michael, Michael. Yeah, Dude. that's the problem. It's like... Even if you describe somebody as black, you people people make it seem like it, it's it's taboo. It's terrible to say that about somebody. How dare you call? It's like that's what they are. I'm white. You don't have to call me Caucasian. You don't have to call me European. You can. I'm a white man. I'm a white male. You don't. It's. I mean, I'm not saying we should go around calling people mud people or you know uh, slurs. I'm just saying white. Black, Hispanic, who, you know, why not? What, what's wrong with that? Latino, whatever, whatever you want to call people. What's wrong with that? Why is it that we have to, whenever we have a discussion about race, we have to couch everything, first of all, by saying, all right, well, I'm not racist here, and I, I want to make sure that I, I come across as saying that I, I, I don't have any uh, ill feelings toward any uh, particular race. Why do, we have to dis why do we have to make disclaimers about everything before we have a discussion in this country? Why do we have to make uh, these qualifications about every statement we make? And, and by the way, the, the N-word is in the dictionary, Okay. I'm just going to say it plain for you. The word nigger is in the dictionary. I'm looking at it right now. It's in the dictionary. So does it, it's, well, it hasn't been printed in the dictionary since 19. Well, that's just not true because I'm looking at it right here. I don't know when this, uh, this dictionary, I believe, is from 2001. It's in there. It's in the online dictionary as well, by the way. Look it up for yourself. It's there. Google magic, my friends. Yeah. So give me a break. I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a uh, Webster's unabridged dictionary. So, whatever. 
All right, anyway, from that, I suppose. So that's Dr. Laura. Uh, I, I'm actually coming to her defense. I don't think... Now, she apologized. And you know what I say about radio apologies or people, in, if you make an apology. Whether you it's, only make an apology if you get caught. Well, no. My feelings on apologies, and this goes for my personal life, this goes for my professional life, this goes for how I feel about radio and everything else. The only time you should ever apologize is if you feel you did something wrong. You should never apologize because you feel forced to apologize. You should never apologize because somebody insists that you apologize. You know, that's the worst thing we teach our kids growing up. The, the worst thing we do is like, you know, you have two brothers and one of them pushes the other. And then the mother says, you tell him you're sorry. You know, that's the worst thing you can do to a child. You know why? Because what that does is that, that conditions them to... Look at, it, at an apology as, a, as an out. It desensitizes them to what they did and why they should feel bad about it. And now it just makes it so you teach them that saying I'm sorry is acceptable. And it waters down what an apology is. An apology should only be given in a time where you feel remorse. Where you feel a genuine sense of guilt, perhaps, for what you have done. I don't think... In, in all sincerity, I don't think I've, I have apologized, uh, maybe once or twice have I ever apologized for anything that I've ever said on this show. I don't apologize for things I say on this show. Because generally speaking, I, I live by the rule that you mean what you say and you say what you mean. In my personal life, sure, I've apologized for things from time to time. I've made mistakes. But that's it. You apologize when you make a mistake. You apologize when you actually feel that you did something wrong, not because somebody is pressuring you. And Dr. Laura apologized because as soon as you apologize, you know what that means? You admit guilt. You're done. You're done. And in the radio business, if you, if you apologize, then they can build, they have the paper trail. And then you're probably going to get canned. And that's a problem. It's an issue. All right. Speaking of issues, it's, folks, it's that time of the week. Oh, oh no. I know. I know. We were having fun. I know, but. It's just, it's that time for torture. It's time to take a look at the top 10 songs in the world of pop music. The biggest songs, the most played songs on top 40 radio stations across this country. We do this, uh, we try to take a look at the pop chart every single week. And uh, since we've been on hiatus for so long, the pop chart has actually undergone some changes. Quite a few of them, actually. Well, the pop chart never really changes, Tom. Uh, well, I mean... Uh, it's just the names of the, the songs. music, uh, in the sense that the artists change. Yes, the name of the names of the song change, but yes, generally speaking, the quality still sucks. So anyway, we have something called. Uh, let's see, at number ten. Let me see. I have to make sure I get this right here. This would be Usher. Oh boy! <laughs> featuring Pitbull. DJ Get Us Fallen in Love or something? Let me see. Let me, uh, I, I got to make sure that I have this uh, I have this right. I guess that's what this is. So we back in the club with our bodies rocking from side to side, side, side. 
The feminization of the American culture continues unabated. Oh, yeah. It's like, how do you, how do you, how do you look yourself in the mirror at night? How do you do it? With <laughs> All right. All right. N- number nine. We have uh, something by a guy called Drake. This is, this is Find Your Love with the most annoying beat ever. That actually hurts my ears. I think it's giving me tinnitus. I'm more than just an option. I sing just like the other guy. Refuse to be forgotten. Refuse to be forgotten. I took a chance with my heart. Sing with some vibrato. And I feel it taking over. See, I could do this. Why don't I have a hit single? That's all you just gotta do. Oh, baby. I doubt you'll find another. Who can't do that? So every single summer. All right. All right. Meanwhile, at number eight, it's Travi McCoy with Billionaire. I want to be a billionaire. So freaking bad. How do these songs, I mean, all these songs sound the same? I wanna be on the cover of Forbes magazine Smiling next to Oprah and the Queen Oh, every time I close my eyes You wanna be a billionaire? Yeah, I see my name in shiny lights Yeah, a different city every night Oh, I, I swear I wanna get rid of my criminal record So f***ing bad And uh, number seven I really hate that song I really do Yeah all right, uh, number seven. You've got um, Jason Derulo with 
riding solo. Mm, yeah. What, what do you know? Another song that sounds just the same. Empty ass lyric all damn night. No one is gonna argue. No. And since I got that hold off me, I'm living life now that I'm free. Yeah. Help me get my together. Now I got my I can curse in a song together. I can curse in a song again. I'm so sorry that it didn't work. This is like, I mean, the pop chart is worse than ever. Uh, I know we went we went on hiatus and it just got worse. Yeah, the four songs in a row, dude, and all these songs they sound exactly the same. See, I sing different. Well, this guy sings a little differently than the other guys. The other guys are, I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad. And this guy's like, I'm riding tall out. I'm riding tall out. See, there's a big difference. One sounds gay and the other sounds like a queen. Loving myself Loving myself makes me want to sing Generally not actually Makes me want to cry Because you know, cause I'm doing myself and... Anyway um, Bad quality I do apologize for this But not that it matters It's Enrique Iglesias featuring Pitbull And I like it at number 6 But I don't like it But that's the name of the song Is I like it <laughs> Number five, it's uh, no no we need went to ex- from lazy to a middle finger. Ugh. All right, number five, it's B.O.B. Airplane. Ah, oh, no. Like I got some talent. And everybody know my name. Uh-huh. And everywhere I go, people wanna hear me. Dog. Oh yeah, and I just dropped my new album. On the first week, I did five hundred thousand. Gold in the spring and diamond in the fall. Okay. And then the world tour just to top it all off. Uh-huh. And let's pretend like they call me the greatest. Yeah. Selling out arenas with big uh-huh. stages, and everybody loved me, and no one ever hated. <laughs> just try to use imagination. Yeah, it's it's pretty awful, isn't it? 
Okay, I'm, okay, uh, once the technology has been invented, I'm just gonna freeze myself and, uh, go into the future where this song doesn't exist. Yeah. I can't I, even find it on YouTube. I wanna go well, good luck. Thousand, years the thousand, maybe two thousand years into the future. Man, you're gonna, you're gonna have a real life Futurama? Yeah. I'll bring my uh, flip video camera and like send it back in time if I can. Alright, meanwhile at number four, it's Tile Cruz Dynamite. Yeah! I came to Holy, holy crap. What's uh, happened to music? Number uh, three, it's Katy Perry. Here she is with uh, with uh, California Girls. It's Mike Posner. This is cooler than me. Oh yeah. Fall in love. I would already have you up under my arm. I used up all of my tricks. I hope that you As bad as this is, this is the best song that's on. You think you cool me. You got designer shades just to hide your face. Wear them around like you cool with me. And you never say hey or remember my name. And it's probably cause you think you cool with me. I'm about ready to cry, Mike. Uh, I already did. I guess I'm a little bit tougher than you, ain't I? You got your high brow, shoes on your feet, and you wear them around like it ain't you. But you don't know the way that you look when your steps make that much that noise. I got you. All figured out You need everyone's eyes Just to feel seen Behind your makeup Nobody knows who You even are Who do you think that you are Cause it's Meanwhile The number one song it, it doesn't even deserve a drum roll This actually is This this song just flew up the chart While we were on our hiatus So uh, it's uh, Eminem Ugh 
featuring Rihanna, Love the Way You Lie. Here it comes. I love the way oh boy! It's yep. I can't tell you what it really is. What? I can only tell you what it feels like. And right now it's a steel knife in my windpipe. Like most Eminem songs, like most Eminem songs, when the person is singing, it's not half bad. As soon as he chimes in, it's like, okay, next. Understand the word that you're saying But I know you're up there, you're praying You're hoping someone buy your record You suck it you ain't come back We're running right back Here we go again, it's so insane Cause when it's going good, it's going great I'm Superman with the wind in his back She's Lois Lane, but when it's bad, it's awful I feel so ashamed, I snap, who's that dude? I don't even know his name, I laid hands on him I never stoop so low again I guess I don't know my own strength Just gonna And sadly, I, I sing just as well as Rihanna. What's with you in the ho ho ho? Are you Santa? Yeah. I don't get it. I have to cry. Sorry, I'm. I'm out of my mind. I don't know. I'm going out of my mind. That's my Eminem impression. It's pretty stellar. Just call me. I'm not Eminem. I'm more like, you know. know. I'm a couple of dimes short of 50 cent. Yeah. I love the way you lie, baby. That's what I do. This is the folks. This is the number one. So this is the most played song on top forty stations. And doesn't that that'll just make you cry? I mean, doesn't that just like bum you out? Doesn't that just bring you down? Knocks you down. Knocks you down. Get right back up. You know, I'm I'm, I'm gonna go look. Uh, you you go ahead. Uh, okay. James has got the most expensive stuff. All right, uh, most expensive watches. I'm gonna go back and look at. Um, I gotta see what was like number one on this date. What is okay? This is 2010. This is today is August 12th to August 13th, 2010. And I want to see what was number one on this date. And let's say. Are you handing over the torch to me? Let's say like 19. I'm gonna go back to like. 
a, a few years from like the 80s and 90s. And we're just going to see if... And I'll look at the pop chart, all right? And, and we'll see if anything's better. Meanwhile, though, James is here with the most expensive watches. All right. Well, that's always good Your fun. top... What is this? Top 10? Top 10, yeah. Top 10 most expensive watches. All right. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, we've covered a variety of stuff on this uh, oh-so-long-lived segment. What's it been? That we've had at least six segments on this? Yes. Wow. Quite, quite a spectacle. All right, well, let's see. Um, I guess I can start off with, appropriately, number 10, the the Dora timepieces. Let's see. Uh, the best way I can describe it, it looks like um, it's got this, like, B thing on top. I, uh, I have no idea. Here, I'll just read the description. These watches are manufactured by Andreas von Dora Gerloff. Their latest collection includes a B, which is made of micropave and oh, hey. oxidized palladium. Oh, B, I'm going to sting y'all. I'm going to tell you the time, y'all. I'm going to tell the time, y'all. Oh, I'm going to tell the time, y'all. Oh, hey. Oh, hey, it's almost 11 o'clock over here. Mm. Time Yummy. for lunch. It's almost mm. time for a midnight snack. Mm. Mm. Yummy. Let's see. Yellow and black diamonds adorn the bee. It's either made of emerald and a uh, brocade of South Sea pearls peek out of its mouth. Let's see. This watch costs $150,000. Nice. Uh, it, this has got to be the most awkward watch ever to carry around. It, it can't really go in the pocket. You'll probably like break off the wings or something. You can't just put it in your front pocket, you know, your shirt pocket either, or bulge out it'll look weird as hell. This is probably the stupidest watch I've ever seen, and it cost $150,000. Oh, but let's not stop short there. Let's move on to number nine, the Titanic watches. These watches are manufactured by uh, Romain Jerome and are created from the Titanic's hull. The shipbuilding steel wow. and the metal mixes together. That's just creepy. Create, yeah. The casing of these watches, the coal that was burned in the furnaces of the ship was recovered and has been mixed with uh, Cremix to make the black dials of the Titanic watches. Uh, they cost uh, a, a bargain, uh, a bargain at the twice of the price, uh, $152,000. $435. That's just wonderful. <laughs> Watch it made from the Titanic, man. That's, I mean, and it's, I also, it's, it, it is literally, and I this is just kind of creepy. It's literally a watch that's made from like a, 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 a giant, a 1,500-person casket. I mean, that's what the Titanic was. And, and I don't know. To me, that just seems weird. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> give me a second here. Uh, standing at number eight, we have the Double Torbillion. That's literally the name, but that's not the price, unfortunately enough. All right. That would have been nice. Seven more than the cost two billion. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, these watches are manufactured by Brigitte in our hand engraved. An image of the solar system featured in the design and the casting is made of 95% pure platinum. The hands are manually wound. Uh, let's see. The, the cost is an estimated 
$329,000. Wow. Sounds like a cool watch, though, actually. Yeah, it's a pretty snazzy-looking watch, i got to admit. But, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you got to understand, it's a watch. It's a friggin' watch. You tell time with it. I mean... Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Uh, you can't get much better than that uh, digital watch, you know? Yeah, that's what I like digital watches much better. Uh, yeah, interesting note. There's not a single digital watch on this list. Girl, hand. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Let's see. The uh, Standing at number seven, if you keep keeping track here, you know, number seven, we got the Opera One. <laughs> Let's see. These watches are manufactured by Gerard Paragol. Number the, seven. The, <laughs> nice. Well, wait there, though, Mike. Yeah, well, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I was, I was, preo- I was preoccupied watch. with a woman. Let's see. The band of each watch is made of alligator skin and includes a minute repeater, manual winding, an impressive power reserve, as well as see-through backing. Oh, the best wow. part about these watches is that it sounds uh, each hour with tunes. They cost $495,000. You get your little snazzy tune every hour. That's that's only yeah. going to get annoying really fast. Yeah. yeah. At at midnight, it plays Kesha. And uh, at 1 o'clock, it plays Bad Romance. <laughs> Increasing torture every hour. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I want. I, yeah. I think that's a, I think that's another great way to break terror. It's one o'clock. Alright. That's the perfect way to break terror. Instead of, you know, just locking them in rooms and playing the song, we just attach watches to them that play the song to every hour on the hour. There you go. That would be great. What, uh, sorry, what, uh, but Gitmo's already shut down, so that joke is very stale. Alright, so let's see. Standing at number six, we have the Grande uh, Complication. These watches are manufactured by Blanc Pain, featured and include the split second chronograph, a petro, uh, perpetual calendar, a mm. winding mechanism which is automatic, tourbillion and moon phase. Mm. Let's see, the band is made of crocodile skin. These exclusive rich watches cost oh, I- $785. Thousand dollars. I give me a crocodile to get this watch, right, mate? <laughs> We've killed the finest animals. To We've make killed the finest animals to make this to watch. Make your, yeah, we've killed the <clears throat> finest animals to make your beds, your perfumes, and your clothing, and now your watches, ladies and gentlemen. We've come to hell. This authentic, right. this authentic timepiece is made from real crocodile skin, as well as. 24 karat gold. And God knows, uh, we've found other, we found elements on the periodic table that we could have used for scientific research to cure cancer, but instead we've crafted them into this fine timepiece. And it could be yours for the low price of just three quarters of a million dollars. <laughs> we killed the very last baby panda to make this watch. <laughs> All right, let's Just a see, thousand uh, easy installments of Seth. Oh, God. Okay, let's see. Uh, Standing at number five, the Technica Skeleton Chronograph. Mm. Uh, Let's see. These watches are manufactured by 
Parmig... I can barely pronounce this. Parmigina Fleurier. Nah, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you screwed that up, but whatever. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The uh, platinum casing is <laughs> beautiful to look and features like uh, Torbillion, Chronograph, and a Minute Repeater make these watches truly appealing. Wow. Basically all the features of the last watch. Mm. Uh, they cost $850,000. Oh, wow. They're, they're, it's not made of platinum or anything. It doesn't say anything like that. It's just a really cool watch. It's a neat watch. <laughs> yeah. It, I bet uh, it's like that story of the hobo you always tell. You know, you only have to sell one pencil. That's right. All right, let's see. Standing at number four, the classic billionaire tour billion. That's quite a name, isn't it? <laughs> You're telling your friend you the name of the watch. What's uh, so what's that? So what uh, brand is that watch? Classical billionaire tour billion. It's the classical billionaire tour billion. <laughs> Let's see. These are manufactured by Corum. The mm. watch shimmers Corum. with 850 diamonds. Finally, you know, finally get a watch that's made out of something. Normally, we'd have at least three or four. Oh. Let's see. The watch shimmers with 850 diamonds, and the skeleton hands and dials are dazzling. This manually wound watch has the power reserve for 90 hours, and features are completely unique. Wow. These cost $998,000, and only 10 pieces are produced. Normally, we'd offer it to you for a million dollars, but if you order now, just it's yours for 998000 a discount of a whole $2,000. Bye-bucker, everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, what the... Like we're supposed to, we're supposed to cheer that. Hey, at least it's not a million. <laughs> uh. Here it comes, one of the most expensive watches of all time. It's the fabulous nine hundred ninety-eight thousand dollar watch. Sucker number yep. one, come on down. You're the first contestant to buy this piece of crap. Wouldn't it be the worst if, like, the band broke within, like, the first five minutes of buying it? You know, that would be my luck. I'd get that friggin' watch, and that band would break, or something, or the damn thing, the the, the spring in, in the, the spring would break where you wind it up. I'm sorry, Mr. Groff, but... <laughs> we you don't know, take it, You walked fun. off the stage, uh, it's yours. You get it now. It's just a $998,000 piece of junk. You can now use it as a doorstop. Yeah. Uh, Bob Barker cool. reminding you to con help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah, but what about my watch? Screw you. I'm out. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, this is the greatest. All right, now, this one uh, this one I found kind of funny. Uh, give me a minute to collect myself here. Standing at number three, the Big Bang Chronograph Watch. Now, at first, I'm like, did they, did they make the watch out of the Big Bang or something? Like, did they claim they cut the Big Bang in half and, like, made a watch out of this? I thought that would have been something. They made a watch out of everything, what? pretty much. Let's see. But, no, these watches are manufactured by Hoplot Bunter S.A. I have no idea. These watches are made especially for the elite section and are known as Big Bang. A particular setting allows the material to disappear 
and one can only see the diamonds. They cost one million dollars. There's really no description about it. There's not really much telling about diamonds or anything. It's it's just a really snazzy looking watch. And, you know, you can make everything disappear, which is always cool. Yeah, but you can do that with like a, you can do that with like those those $10 watches you get over there at, uh, you get at like Sears. <laughs> well, with all the, the features, with all like the features of a $10 watch compacted into one beautiful million dollar timepiece. Yeah. All right, standing at number two, the Tour de Isle. That's Tour de I apostrophe L-L-E. Not sure if I'm pronouncing Tour it correctly. It's Tour a fancy watch. I say it's uh, one of the most fancy watches in all of the world. This timepiece is crafted from the, from the bones of Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> he, uh, he came uh, back from the dead strictly so he could create this master timepiece and it could be yours now she died for, for the cost for the yeah he died so you could keep proper time and it could be yours now for the price of your eternal soul <laughs> <laughs> i mean by now i'd sell my soul for a donut that can be arranged <laughs> Uh, all right, these are manufactured. Uh, sorry, let's say that again for, uh, because of that long rant Mike had there. Uh, number two, Tour de Isle. Sorry. Okay, these are manufactured by Veteran Constantine and were first designed in the year 2005. Oh. These limited edition watches are said to have the most complicated design element. <clears throat> the dial is made of 18 karat gold. The band is made of alligator skin and is hand-sewn. Oh, yes. The buckle is made of pink gold. The features include sunset time, second time zone, minute All repeater, of pink billion gold, device, yes. and a perpetual calendar. And, and, a, is, and a wheel. I gotta admit, it is a really fucking cool-looking watch. And a wheel I in mean, perpetual motion. If, if this watch only costs like 50 bucks or something, <laughs> I'll probably buy it. But um, let's play our favorite part of the, you know, the list. The part where we've reached the point where oh. I asked Mike to uh, get the price on this watch. Okay. The last watch was how much? What was it again? It was um, the one $1 before. $1 million. Dollars. Okay. So this one's got to be at least like 1.7. Higher. Wow. $2 million. Higher. $3 million. Lower. Two and a half. Uh, there you go. $2.57 million dollars. Two. Yes, for just the low price of two point fifty seven million dollars. It could be all yours today. I gotta admit, this this watch is really fucking cool. I mean sixty five hundred easy installments. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh but look, this is the best part. Not water resistant. I'm sorry, if I'm paying two fucking million dollars for wow. a watch it better be fucking water. Dude, the three dollar right? watches that you know you could get over at at Peter Piper Pizza for like for like a hundred tickets are water resistant. What if uh, I'm this, washing my hands? Yeah. I, I fucking wash my hands to the watch breaks. Are you shitting me? If Not water resistant. If there's a chance of showers this afternoon, you better take off your watch and leave it someplace like a safety deposit box. Otherwise, you're screwed. You are so screwed. You're screwed beyond screwed. Did I mention were, screwed? 
<laughs> yeah, there were uh, only seven pieces made, and uh, this timepiece is crafted from the souls of little children. This was crafted, you know, from the soul of uh, Jesus Himself. Yes, and God. Yes, we and crafted the previous watch from the bones of Jesus Christ, and now we're using the leftover parts. We took his liver and his soul, and we have crafted it into this amazing timepiece, and it could be yours today. You sons of bitches. All right. Well, standing in at number one, we actually oh, boy. can't ask too much. Oh, let's see. The Joliere 101 Manchetti. These are manufactured by Jega Lacouterie. And are considered to be the most expensive watches in the world. Well, actually, that drum roll was wasted, Mike, because, spoiler alert, there's no price tag. Oh, my goodness. The, the, price, is not, the price is not even known of this watch, but I can, um, I can tell you it's a really fucking stupid-looking watch. It, they literally, they have this one tiny square... It looks like the entire thing is made of the wristband, and they have this one tiny square dedicated to the little. Oh, it's like hand. a chick like, watch. So, yeah, it's a It's just little. Okay, let's see. Um, <laughs> we don't even know the price of this stupid. It thing. could be yours if the price was right, and we knew what the price was, because we don't. <laughs> it does give a uh, actually pretty detailed description of the thing, unlike All most right. of the watches on this list. Let's yes. see. One can check the time through the Onyx Gold and Diamond Cabochon. Oh, yes. Onyx the Gold. Ador- the watch adorns 576 mm. diamonds and 18 karat white gold. Yes. Other versions have 11 Onyx Cabochons and 400 diamonds. The price is it, not known as of now. I'm working on my watch voice. <laughs> I didn't know watches had a voice. Well, they do. I mean, I'm, you know, you know, for for the commercials, I got I got to work on my timepiece voice, master timepiece. Yes. Uh, that that that's all I can really give. It's five hundred seventy six wow. diamonds, the eighteen karat white gold. Probably, it's one of those things. If you have to ask how much it is, you can't afford it. Yeah, like I Bill mean, Gates would get five. You know, I I have a lot of people to shop for. I'll just get them all this watch. Yeah, Gates got me another one of them one of them ten billion dollar watches, son of the what a cheap ass. Get me an aircraft carrier last year, this year it's just a watch. It is the fucking stupidest wa- looking watch I have ever looks seen. Looks like a, a chick watch. Uh it doesn't it it does look like a man's watch, but it just looks fucking stupid. Yeah. I cannot emphasize that enough. No, especially not with all the F word, no. Uh, that, that's it. I mean, we we can't even talk about it. There's no price tag on it. Well, yeah. How do you, I mean, yeah. It's again. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the top ten most expensive this week. All right. Well, there you have it. The most expensive watches. Um, Dude, now- somebody out there is buying a watch for two point. $5 million when he could be helping starving orphans, people. Could be helping anything. $2.5 million, yeah. you know, pay down our debt. Yeah. Well, not really. But, well, you know, you could, you could like, throw money at it that we would spend. In a, it would take us about five seconds to spend that money. But, listen, that's five seconds less of government waste. 
Five seconds, man. Think about it. Yeah, think about it. In five Bundy. seconds. I mean, you could almost have sex in that amount of time. <laughs> well, I'll Bundy sex. Well, hey. 403 um, days, buddy. Uh, anyway, um, point so. is, um, so I'm looking back at the pop chart here. Looking at the pop chart, and so you know, we you just we heard we played the Eminem song that was uh, that's number one, okay? Um, that was number one uh, today. It's number one on this date, you know, this very day, uh, August uh, 13, 2010. Uh, this song here, yeah. I I never I never understand a single thing that. Uh, Eminem screaming about in these songs. It just sounds like, you know, just crap. I, I don't get it. And then there's somebody singing about something and it sounds... See, the lyrics are pretty simple. I figured that out pretty fast. All right, so anyway, that's that's number one today. So I went back to the pop chart and, and I'm not making this up. See, there's so many good songs that were out on this day, okay, number one on this date in 1982. All right, that's specific. So uh, yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going way back. All right, so uh, here we go. Number one on this date, 1982, Survivor, Eye of the Tiger. That is a freaking kick-ass song. Oh, Tiger. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that was a good song in 1982. What about 1983? All right. Well, it's funny you bring that up because in uh, 1983, the number one song in this state was uh, by a little little band, you know, a little obscure. You might have heard of them. They're called The Police. Every Breath You Take. Perfect stalker song. Every vow you break, every smile you fake, every claim you stake, I'll be watching you. Yeah, great tune. Believe it or not, on this date, in 1984, I'm not going to go through every single year, but I'll go through a lot of them. 1984, number one song, Ghostbusters. The theme, oh, the, yeah. Ray Parker Jr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I ain't afraid of no ghost. I ain't afraid of no ghost. Number one, 1985. Let's see here. Hold on. Who are you gonna call? Who can you call? Oh yeah. All right. This now is this, a comedy song, and it's better than half of the crowd. It's a great song, and number one on this date, 1985. Shout! Let it Tears for fears. These are the oh yeah. Come on. Number one, 1986 on this date was Madonna with uh, Papa Don't Preach. Welcome to be a 
See, I like the song. I'll admit it. And not, nothing like an uplifting song about a girl deciding about having an abortion or not. Yeah. Yeah. You always taught me right from wrong. Yes, I know the words to every single song that's ever been written. Okay, just leave me alone, right? I know what I'm saying. The one you warned me all about. The one you said I could do without. <laughs> all right, see? That's still, that. even that's better than Eminem. I'm sorry, but... Madonna icon, Eminem, flash in the friggin' pan. All right, now another another group. I believe they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or will be soon. I don't know. It's uh, no, at 1987. U2. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. See, I, dude, I, I love. I'm not. I mean, U2's songs of late have been kind of, but U2 in the 80s. This Joshua Tree album, best album, one of the best albums of the 80s. Period. So many good hits off of this. Nineteen eighty-eight. Wow, this is uh, this is making me really depressed. Now, nineteen eighty. Now, some people aren't a fan of this guy. I I like. I don't know. I, I this song's. I'm cool with this tune, but you know, some say maybe this is a little bit of a drop off. But uh, Steve Winwood had the number one song this date, nineteen eighty-eight, and this is still better than Eminem, who has the current number one today. Roll with it. Yeah. 1989, a song that was number one for like a gazillion weeks, um, is、uh, Richard Marks. He had it in this, on this day, 1989, with Right Here Waiting. Yeah, this, here we go. Simple song to play on the piano as well. Whoa. Let's see,、uh, 1990 on this date,、uh, Mariah Carey, Vision of Love. That's not a very good song.、Um, so that, I would say Eminem. I would still say Mariah Carey is better than Eminem, but it's, that's, that's a close race.、Um, 1991, this song from the Robin Hood soundtrack. This song's so huge. I think this was the number one song of the year in 1991. This, everything I do, I do it for you. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. But then again, Brian Adams is Canadian, so you know what? Screw him. All right.、Um, no, I don't, hold, I don't hold any grudge. Um, 
<laughs> end of the road, boys to men, or as I called them, boys to chicks, dudes that sing like chicks. Yeah, this, I would say Eminem's probably better than this. Here we go, yeah. Wow. This is where, see, music started to make that, that left turn right about here. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, I just love that song. Oh, that song is just so sweet. It reminds me of the first time my boyfriend and I were just naked in a hot tub. It was fantastic. Ooga. All right. So uh, UB40 had it in 1993. See this? They did the Elvis remake. Can't help falling in love. Ah, oh, now this song is cool. I like this song. I'm, I was never a UB40 fan, but of all the songs they made, this was the only one I could somewhat tolerate. And ironically, it was an Elvis remake, and I hate Elvis. Don't say that around my grandmother. She will bite your head off. And she probably thinks Elvis is still alive, right? No, no. She, okay, she's not she that nice. Uh, she is a big Elvis fan. She, she's she got a couple of plates. She's got a couple of dolls. And she's, <laughs> she's, got she's got the Elvis toilet seat. No, no, the, she's not the, that the toilet seat he actually died on. No, no, no. I'm actually really this, digging this song. Yeah, right it's now. like yeah, that song. I mean, listen, it's not that. All right, um. Actually, 1994, this wasn't bad either. We used to play this on the station. Most of these songs we actually played on the station, I shouldn't say. It's too bad I don't uh, have that anymore. Uh, Lisa Loeb and uh, Nine Stories, uh, 1994. I believe this was on, what was that, the Reality Bites soundtrack? Something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, that movie, something like that, yeah. It's, uh, this is when My Sharona made a comeback even. My, 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 yeah. my. So, Lisa Lowe. It's a good tune. I ah. hear what I want to. All right. Now, see, again, but you can tell yeah. that, you can tell the music was taking a turn because, all right, 1995, you had TLC. They had the number one song uh, on this date, 1995, with Waterfalls. What the hell? This is a down, down, chasing waterfall. Ah. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I was never a fan. That is, uh, that is something else. Yeah, and it gets worse. 1996. Oh boy. Oh, believe me. See, I would say Eminem and this song. It's pretty close. I actually would listen to this before Eminem, though. Because at least there's not rap in this. All right. But I would listen to Eminem before the song at in 1996. You might remember it. It was the awkward moment of the year in 1996 when Bill Clinton was sitting there doing the Macarena. <laughs> Los Del Rio. <laughs> Now don't you worry about my boyfriend. The boy okay, I can't. 
I wish I wish we still had the parody. We we had a parody that we played of this song years ago. I wish I wish we still had it, but I don't know where it is. To be fair, this song is sort of like the equivalent to the electric slide. Yeah, nineteen ninety seven was puffed. I don't have this song. I, I we do. I just don't feel like going to get it. Puff, yeah. uh, P Diddy, Faith Evans, uh, and one twelve. I'll be missing you. That was the song that they did. They ripped uh, the police's. Um, uh, every breath you take, and they put in stuff about uh, Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I.G. They did that this, was there. And right about here is when it became okay to rip off other artists, and nobody would care. Yeah, Brandy and Monica, the boy is mine, was nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine. See again, you can tell where music. I guess we've kind of answered the age old question that we've always been asking on this show: When did music take the turn? Nineties. Well, late 90s. yeah, 90s, but like what year? And I think 96 is when it really started to make that that turn. Because by 1999, the number one song in the state, 1999, is this song. Genie in a Bottle, Christina Aguilera. Uh, She's actually, as, we, as Christina says it, Genie in a Bottle. 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 Huh. This is still better than Eminem, though. Still. Yeah. I would feel... I would feel okay listening to this over Eminem. Well, maybe not okay, but... Cisco had the number one song in uh, 2000. He had more than one hit. Cisco, the yeah. guy that did the thong song had more than one hit. Something called... I don't even remember this song. Something called Incomplete. Well, you did say number one hit songs of the your state, right? What? Or did you say no? Number one songs on this date. On this date, sorry. On this, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, learn to brain, Michael. All right, um, let's see. Here, yeah, here is the number one song, two thousand one, on this date. I keep on falling. What the hell? Alicia Keys. Big fat Alicia Keys. Ah. Nelly featuring. I don't know, somebody. Dilemma was number one on this day, 2002. Crazy in Love, Beyonce. I have that song, 2003. Slow Motion by Juvenile, 2004. We Belong Together by Mariah Carey was 2005. London Bridge, Fergie. 2006, beautiful girls. Sean Kingston. That was 19. Uh, that was 2007. I think we have that. I think we have beautiful a lot of these. Girls all over the world. Yeah, this song. You see, that song's yeah. okay until they no, do that sucks. rap part. Beautiful girls. The, the part where he goes suicidal. 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 Which rhymes with Fido. This song, I have to tell you, there was a time where I couldn't go anywhere without hearing this song. It was every, it was on it was on the friggin' radio all the time. It was in every store I went to. It was everywhere. I I I, I thought I was gonna come home and commit harakiri. I really did. Commit harakiri? Yeah. I mean, seriously, I, I I was horrified. I was mortified. <laughs> 
how do you think I feel about Kesha? Uh, oh, here we go. Now, number one in 2008 uh, on this date. Wait, don't tell me. Well, I mean, this is better than a lot of the stuff. Most of the stuff in the 2000 decade has just been reprehensible. This song, while not very good, eh, it's... Uh, here, here you go. Katy Perry. Okay, now that... What's that? I can I can tolerate this song. If it goes on the radio, I won't change the station. I admit that. And then on this date last year, good enough. The number one song, which I don't know. This thing just decided to do something dumb, but whatever. Here it is. It's uh, I got a feeling, Black Eyed Peas. This is that song where they yell like Mazel Tov and. I yeah. got We'll have a bond. Fergie and all this crap. It's, See, it's, you can tell um, when we were in the 80s, all the songs, like, I started in 1982. I mean, before that, you had, like, Olivia Newton John, who sucked. And you had, like, uh, who else was in there that sucked? But I mean, most of the stuff, like, almost every song in the 80s was good. Most of the ones in the 90s were okay until you got to about 96, 7 ish. This one is mildly tolerable. Like, it doesn't make me want to shove a pencil in my ear, but I mean, like, still... If I look at the 70s, stupid. if I look at the number one on this, date's, uh, on this date from the 70s, it's like, okay, 70 is like the Carpenters, the Bee Gees, Bill, uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan, Maureen McGovern, <laughs> Paper what, Lace, no, the Bee Gees, Elton John, and Kiki D. What song Bee-Gees, is it? Huh? Yeah. Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Well, that song was okay. Andy Gibb. Ugh. The Commodores, horrible. I've never heard of any of these bands, and I am actually pretty hip when it comes to out-of-date things. Well, how would you not know the Bee Gees? I, I do know the Bee Gees. Okay. That's why I said the I, Bee I mean, Gees, I, know huh? all, I know all of these, but I mean, like the Carpenters, I mean, the Carpenters were horrible. The Carpenters, I mean, that was, that was, that was bad. Uh, Gilbert yeah. O'Sullivan... I know about Kenny Loggins and stuff. Kenny Loggins, that's the the 80s, dude. That's the 80s and 90s. That's, you know, that's Return to Pooh Corner and that's Danger Zone and that kind of stuff. I mean, Kenny Loggins, Kenny Loggins was, you know, I don't know if I'd ever go as far as to say his hip, but well, he was on the Top Gun soundtrack. Here, here's, here's, here's a little Kenny Loggins. Here. If this works. Broken. Not that. Jesus. What's going on here? You're playing romance again? God. Please. No, that's not what it was. Okay. It was. I don't know what. It's scary day, Mike. It's Friday the 13th. Yeah. Friday the 13th. Here we go. Yeah. This is uh, this is better than Eminem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here you go. And then he starts playing. What, what's that? Never mind. Oh, yeah. Let's see what else we have from the Kenny Loggins Library. Footloose. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love this song. See, I have a general rule of thumb. Songs my mom likes, I generally don't. Ah. 
My mom, um, she would play this. She would, like, every time this song would come on the radio. My mom was never one to crank up the radio. There's only a few songs from the 80s I remember my mom really. My mom tries to be very hip. Like, she'll try to tell you that she knows Bon Jovi tunes and stuff like that. Like, she tried, but she doesn't. You know, she doesn't know Bon Jovi from Aerosmith. But when this song would come on, she would know it's Footloose. Uh, this song, there's no way that a guy can like this and and you know not look gay. I don't know. It's like what else do we have? Oh yeah! Oh, here we go. I really do like this song. Yeah, we, is a pretty good song. Yeah, we have we have all the Kenny Loggins tunes. We have all the great. We have all the greatest hits of Kenny Loggins. Meet me halfway across the sky. Kenny Loggins. I regret mentioning. What's that? I thought I regret mentioning him now. Yeah, let's see what else oh. is in here. Uh, that's not it. I think that's it. I think that's all the Kenny Long. Yeah, we get Kenny G. Kenny yeah. G. Well, no, wait a minute. No, hold on a minute. We got more Kenny Loggins here. Hold on. I know I have. I, Kenny Loggins. Here, here you go. Here you go. Kenny Loggins and um, I think this is. Uh, I'm not. I can't see the screen, so I'm just going from memory. This is um, Kenny Loggins and. Um, it's late. You have to excuse me. Uh, Stevie Nicks. Never. Now, this is from the 70s, I believe. Or maybe it's very early 80s. I, I, I would, if I had to put a guess on it, I'd say maybe 79-ish. Yeah. I'm sure I'm way off. But I want to say that that's about right. Because this is before Stevie Nicks' voice was totally lost. So yeah, there's uh, there's a little bit of uh, Kenny Loggins for you. Of course, I went out with a chick that uh, had the Return to Pooh Corner album. So you got to, I, I was treated to a lot of Kenny Loggins uh, from that person. You know, listen, it wasn't that bad. I just, you know. You can't really, you know, you can't really get intimate with that kind of music on. Not, yeah. not, not with like music from Return to Pooh Corner. It's kind of hard to, to get you know, to get a, to get it going when you got like, um, you know, meet me halfway, uh, blaring. So four hundred three uh, days, like four hundred. Well, that's days. that's yeah, that's the other point in this entire discussion. All right, um, 
so we've done a 17-hour show. I want to congratulate us on that. Uh, you know, I actually thought we were going to have a, you know, maybe just about an hour and a half kind of show. And, and it was looking that way. And then we went in this direction. We just love ranting about shit nobody cares about. Well, uh, yes, pretty much. That's what's going to happen. People are going to say, well, you know, you were on hiatus all that time, and now you're back. And, you know, frankly, um, you, you can just feel free to, to go back on that hiatus if you want. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, 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 oh, great. Now I got the urge to like, play the full Katy Perry song. I kissed the girl. I have no idea why. I'm not playing it. You, you, yeah. you know what? You yeah, go on I ahead. Can, uh, I can waddle in my own crappy music. Um, you do that. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you're not a fan of Zeppelin, Mike. Um, I'm not. No, I'm not a fan of Zeppelin. Um, well, that I, I wrestled my jimmies. Well, I'm not a fan. They they stole most of their songs, so you know, not a big fan of Thieves. Which, so you're not a fan of Quentin Quarantino, then? Quentin Tarantino. What did he steal? Uh, he's uh, well. Let's see. In Kill Bill Volume One, most of the music was stolen from Wild Wild West. That's just one example I can think but of. I'm sure he had the permission to use it. Let's see, the whole motorcycle thing, well, that was sort of a tribute to the Bruce Lee thing. Yeah, uh, but, but aren't, I mean, oh. I don't, I've never seen the Kill Bill stuff, but isn't it kind of parody? Isn't it sort of a spoof? Uh, no. Because that's, like, you know. You really need to see Kill Bill. Because I kind of thought that that's what that was. You, you, that, um, that, uh, inglorious bastard. You Cause, really need cause to really, because frankly, I mean, Quentin Tarantino, you got, uh, Pulp Fiction, and that's one of the greatest movies of all time. I haven't seen that. So you've seen Kill Bill, a movie seen by 12 people, but not, not, 12, uh, oh my God. Well, 14. Um, but you haven't uh, seen Pulp Fiction, yeah. which was like, the movie of the year, 1994. Nope. I've seen it, and I've seen like four movies in my life, and Pulp Fiction is one. And I've seen it like 7,500 times. I've seen Bill Bill. Jeff and I used to, we, we could, at one point, we could do the whole movie. If something happened, and they had to remake the entirety of that movie, and they had to use us, we could have done it. We didn't need. Bill, we didn't one need of my lines. Movies of all time. I don't need to see Pulp Fiction. Dude, but, but, oh. yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I, you do. I'm, this, it's this, Bill. You're gonna have to just take it from me on this one. Yeah, Christopher Walken, the watch up your ass. If you uh, haven't seen, if you haven't seen the, the movie, thing. if you haven't seen the movie, how do you know about that? Uh, that was on the top 11 most disturbing Christopher Walken moments nostalgia critic. Mm. I'm sorry, but since that's the only bit I know about, I really don't want to see that movie. Watch up your ass. Uh, thanks. I don't want to see the rest of the movie. I also heard the ending was quite disappointing. How is the... Yeah, you have to, you have to watch it. I mean... You just, you have to watch it. I'm sorry. I say you need to watch Kill Bill. Sure. But you're not listening to me either. No. 
Okay. I mean, I reserve, I reserve, right. I reserve, you know, like one movie a year. I don't know if I should waste it on Kill Bill. I don't know. Have right. I have I seen a movie this year? No, I haven't. I saw Avatar, but that was in December. So I, I have a movie I can watch this year. I've seen uh, one movie this year too in theaters. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about actually in general, frankly. I saw this sequel. That was such a horrible movie. <laughs> um, that yeah. was though. Mike at kmgx.com email address. It's Mike at kmgx.com. 17 hours of show. All for you. Uh, it's also our PayPal address. Mike at kmgx.com. Send money. Really, uh, keep us on. About movies. Yeah, keep us on the air. I mean, don't you want to hear more of this? Um, we're back to no. uh, let's see Monday. No, Two actually, next week. I'm in Sometimes. Vegas uh, next week, so I'll be back uh, sometime late next week, Thursday, actually, for another edition of Michael Graff in Exile. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks to James for joining us. MichaelGraff.com. Good night, everybody. Yeah. James uh, for joining us, and uh, thanks everybody else. Good night, everybody. Blah.